can't tell. You're not my craft teacher. Where's my certificate? For the improv. Yes. And. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's 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 start again because I don't know what it just said. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Hey. Yes, it's a podcast. Welcome to the podcast. It's time for the show. I forgot the rest of the words of the song. Yeah. What's that? I know that. What is that? It's Flareline Fashions. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Great. I'll play it for you. Welcome to the podcast. It's time for the show. We've got lots of movies, and you've got lots of ears to listen. listen. Welcome to the podcast. It's me and my J.B. Well, uh, yeah, well, that, that, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. That was so nice. Wow, yeah, wow. Talented. It's such a great podcast. And we're so happy you <laughs> What here. is this podcast? What is this podcast? What is this podcast? Great, great, great question, Abby. So this podcast is, is a horror podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about some <gasps> ah! films. Yeah, it's, it's usually scary films. But because this is season two, otherwise known as, as quarantine season, we also talk about some other films that are somehow related to horror, but maybe not fully horror. That maybe you Because can... fuck you, it's our podcast. And not yours. And also, we don't steal any bits. You froze as you said that. The spirit of... um. Trixie Mattel has entered you and said, shut the fuck up. To be fair, in terms of like people I wouldn't want to fuck with, Trixie Mattel is like on top of that list, I think. I think oh, she would sure. destroy me. Yeah, she would. Immediately. Um, And I'd probably love it. I'd probably love it. <laughs> Who wouldn't? Um, Yeah, and the, the, the podcast is called Fuck on Kill. Why is it called Fuck on Kill, Abby? Well, Mache, I'm so happy that you asked me that question. So it's actually a really interesting story. Um, the reason it's called Fuck on Kill is because... Why not? Because they, they stole um, our other name. Yeah, the reason, it's <laughs> the reason it is called Fuck on Kill is because at the end of this show, we play a fun little game called Fuck on Kill where we choose who in, of the film's characters we would like to fuck, haunt, and kill. Whoa, makes sense. Yes, uh, it's very exciting. Um, it's been exciting since the first episode when we did it and totally had the name when we recorded and did not record the game afterwards. It was all part of one episode. It's a very clear yeah. concept, rock solid. Yes, exactly. It's been there from the beginning, from its conception. From its conception of the podcast. The conception of the podcast was a beautiful moment, um, mm. forever remembered. In the annals of history. It was it was in a lavender field. Mm. Uh, Edward Cullen was there. Uh, uh, I think it was back in the place where they murdered Jesus. Um, Bray! Yes, exactly. Exactly there. Yeah. The, the beautiful... Jesus died on Bray Head. Yes, exactly. And um, his last words were, Why here? And then he died. It was, it was a <laughs> crucial moment for all Christianity. <laughs> hard times yeah oh jesus he really did suffer for our sins dying in prayer he really did amen amen uh so so, so abby <laughs> uh what, what film are we talking about today I, I have a nice glass of wine i'm in chill mode Ooh, it's it's 2 35 p.m 
Don't tell our listeners what time it is. <laughs> I wish I had alcohol. I was scared to bring alcohol up because I was like, are we doing alcohol? Why not? And I guess we are. Anyway. This is a wine movie. I had wine when it I was watching it, and I'm going to have wine when we're talking about it. The movie that we watched is called The Duke of Burgundy, which is written and directed by Peter Strickland. Um, it is not, in fact, um, about related to Anchorman, which I thought it was. You thought it was re- oh, you thought it was related to Ron Burgundy. Yeah, I haven't seen Anchorman. Um, you should. It's pretty funny. Um, but good connotation in your head. It is not related to Anchorman. And if you go into this film expecting it to be somehow related to Anchorman, well, you might have a hard time. You definitely will. Although I would, I think... Especially with the man part. Uh, yes, definitely. But also, you know, I was going to say it would be nice if Paul Rudd did a cameo. I think Paul Rudd would be the only man whose cameo would be okay in The Duke of Burgundy. Um, yeah, I think so. Only Paul Rudd. The nation's treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. Yes. So this this film is directed by our boy uh, Peter Strickland, a uh, very interesting British director, writer, director. Um, this is his third film. Uh, he directed another one since he made this, and uh, yeah, and I've been kind of been kind of uh, following him ever since I saw uh, *Barbarian Sound Studio*, his second film. Which is really cool. Mm. Big fan of the of the boy. Uh, big fan of his work. Uh, I've been watching a lot of interviews with him uh, just before we started recording, actually. And I think he's a very intelligent man. Uh, Abby, have you ever seen a Peter Strickland film before? Yeah. Oh, what have you seen? Duke of Burgundy oh. last night. Oh, did you like it? Yeah, I really liked it. Mm. That's good. I'm... I thought it was great. Uh, I'm really happy that you're saying that because I was really afraid you're not going to like it. And Why? Well, okay, so it's a very different film. We never did a film like this on the podcast before and probably never will do a podcast like this. Uh, do a podcast like this on the film. Do a film like this on the podcast. We probably never will do a film like this on the podcast again because... We're never going to do the podcast Because again. that's the last episode of the podcast. <laughs> but also, there's no other film like this in, in the world uh right now but also yeah it's um i chose this film for a horror podcast because i think it's interesting to think about it in a horror perspective but it's really not a horror film at all in the way it definitely has it definitely has elements of horror i think yes but it's for sure horror adjacent as we have indicated that's great our podcast requires i'm glad you you say that because i think there's no part of this film that's really trying to scare you or horrify you or make you feel even bad (laughs) i think the film is unsettling Mm, interesting which is a part like in quite a few parts which i think for me is part of horror so okay i'm good with it i think the film is very relaxing and definitely has a few sections which are maybe experimental in nature like the way they are made and presented which kind of mm-hmm. might cause a little bit of you know yeah like some sort of yeah dissonance when you're watching it just you're not fully sure what's going to happen um but when i was watching it i watched it i don't know i watched this film twice for the podcast um uh. i watched the version with the commentary by peter strickland first um and then I watched it normally uh, yesterday again, just to prepare. 
So I've seen this film about maybe like four times. Yeah, four times in total, maybe. Oh, nice. Right yeah, which is cool. And um, and I think once you know where this is going and kind of what the structure of this film is and the idea, I think it's a very relaxing film. It's a very... Yeah, it's definitely... It's got relaxing elements, for sure. I think, yeah, it's kind of... It's quite chill. Um, But I think that's why the bits that are unsettling are even almost could be more unsettling because they're like sort of out of place mm. in the relaxing tone in a way. Also, and just a fun note, I didn't need to pay for this movie. <gasps> what happened? Tell us about it. Because, and I acquired it legally. Mm. So I, so I looked at our handy dandy list the match has created on our website. Um, FHKpodcast.com. Yes, and it indicates um, where it has a link to justwatch.com where you can find, or just what, is that what it's called? Yeah, it's called justwatch.com. Yeah, uh, it has a link to justwatch.com where it show, which is basically a really handy site that shows all the places you can like access a movie. And saw that it was on Volta. And I was like, hey, mm. I haven't used my Volta codes that I got from my Lighthouse membership. And I was like, do they still work? Because I don't think my Lighthouse membership is valid anymore. <laughs> um, and so I went there and I clicked through. And I mean, it was only three euros, so it wouldn't have broken the bank anyway, but still. Um, I was like, let me try. So I clicked because it was three euro to rent. So I wasn't even buying it. Um, and so I went and I entered the promo code. And then it was like, nice, you won't have to pay for this rental. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. It was great. Uh, thank you for supporting Volta, by the way. Uh, it's a really nice independent film service in Ireland, which is connected to Lighthouse Cinemas. Uh, and I think Element Distribution is the company that kind of helps out with all of this. Um, I think so. I've got one more code. Yeah. Um, yeah, when you get a Lighthouse membership, you get like two codes, I think, or four, depending on what kind of membership you have. Um but one way or another, this film is streaming on Volta. So if you wanna, if you're in Ireland and you wanna support uh, something, you know, maybe more local or something that helps out cinemas here, I'd say you can rent it there. It's just three bucks. It's worth it. It's incredible. Was it an HD? Because I'm not. I wasn't sure about that. Was it good? No, it was. It was standard. Okay, that's a bit disappointing. But that was. It was fine. Like it was still pretty good quality. I don't think that they had it in HD. I don't know. Yeah. Not to rent anyway. Yeah. So. That's a bit of a problem, but you know, I guess you can't have everything. I, I have this uh, film on Blu-ray, and the, the quality of it is just—it's amazing. It's just wow. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, you know, from the first frame, it's like whoa, the fucking leaves—it's crazy. Uh, looks really nice. Uh, did you watch it alone? Yes. Well, Parker was beside me, but um, I watched it alone. He watched The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh, interesting! Interesting combination. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had headphones on. We weren't just making a cacophony of um, strange sounds from films. That's good. Um, I actually recommended Duke of Burgundy to my mom a while ago. Um, oh. And she liked it a lot. Um, although her take on the film was very different than mine, which is which is interesting. But um, she said it's a film. She said it was very sad. And she said it's a film about loneliness. Um, which... I don't fully agree on on with, but you know we'll get to it. It is a melancholy. I do think it's sad. It is a sad film. I agree with that. It's got a little like I don't know if it's sad like in general, but it's got like a melancholy vibe to it for sure. It's got a very very moody setting and um, 
don't know, just because of the of the the flow of it, I think it kind of focused more on the um, the sadder parts of of the whole thing, maybe. But it's also got a lot of humor mm-hmm. in it. Uh, I think it's a pretty fun yeah. film. Um, yeah, cool. All right, we, should we get into it? No, that's enough. Okay, thank you, everybody. Uh, you know, this is a perfect episode for Jono. Yeah, I'll just send this to Jono. <laughs> yeah, just send it. Just clip and send. His, his attention span, I think, can take that amount of information. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, just about maybe. I don't know. His his brain's incredibly old, so it can't it can't um, absorb too much information. Yeah. So, how this film begins? Begins with a There's lady. A lady. It has a pretty good opening sequence. The opening sequence is super fun. Um, yeah, we got a lady sitting on a lake. There's some nice music going on in the background. Um, yeah, it's basically a lady by a lake. The sound of the lake. I love the sounds of lakes. Like, lakes in the woods is like one of the nicest places to be. That is true. And there's lots of that in the film. Um, mm, there's lots nice. of... Also a lot of sunlight, a lot of woods, a lot of yeah, water and... Yeah, the way this film is edited also kind of keeps coming back to that sense of nature. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we start out with, with with Evelyn. We don't know her name is Evelyn yet, but that's her. Spoilers! Her name is Evelyn. T- spoiler alert, that is her name. That is her name. That is her name. And yeah, we got... So write it down. Yeah, yeah. You can forget it. If, if you haven't watched the film, watch it first. Because it's not a twisty film. But it does have some sort of a twist, I guess, at the beginning of it. Yeah, it's more of a... Yeah, I guess you could refer to it as a twist or like a surprise. It's definitely not in the sense of a twist film. It's the kind of film that like I I didn't read about the film or anything before because I obviously, you know, you don't want to learn about the film before you watch it. Because it would, if you read the synopsis, while it's not like a super big deal because it's revealed so early, it's not like a twist, so Mm -hmm. to speak. But it would still be kind of disappointing to like have that taken away from you. Definitely, yeah. It's not like a six because it is interesting. Yeah, it's not like a sixth sense thing where you keep waiting for it and it's like the main part of the film or whatever. But it's like part of the fun, I guess, is that you start watching it and you think it's a certain kind of film and then you realize it's not. Um, and then the rest of the film kind of builds up on that. Um, misconception that you have to begin it and then twist it around yeah. a lot um that's great which is part of the fun yeah so um well anyways you can read the synopsis of this film because the synopsis of this film is not gonna tell you anything like i read the plot thing on wikipedia and it's just flat out inaccurate <laughs> yeah the, the plot isn't greatly written on there it's just like it's i think people don't really understand what happened in this film which i kind of understand because it's not very plotty in general um, mm. but yeah, but it had some terrible inaccuracies there, but, uh, yeah, you, you can read like, you know, like an excerpt of what the film is about if you want to know, but going in blind, I think is good. And anyways, the film is probably going to surprise you anyway. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, exactly. I, I don't think there's like a very appropriate way to describe this film in full. I, I couldn't do it anyway. Um, so we should just give up now. Yeah, I think that's it. That's it. Okay. Thank you everybody. This is the second time we've ended this episode within 10 minutes. Honestly, this is something that could be playing over the opening uh, titles. Uh, what What's playing over the opening titles sure. and the, the, the song is a lot better, but 
you know, you could do that over the opening titles. What I liked about the opening titles is that there was a dress and lingerie credit. Uh, yeah. A perfume credit. There's a perfume credit, uh, which Strickland talks a little bit about on the commentary, and he says he really wanted to do it. He just wanted to kind of give more of a uh, a feel, an atmosphere, and that he thought that if you have a perfume for a film or a certain kind of smell, then it gives it more of a you know sensory boost, maybe. But did did they like? No, I think it's just. Is like, he suggesting? Is he suggesting we smell it? Is he? Did they all wear that perfume, or is he just trying to be like, this is a film that has a perfume vibe? I think he's just saying it has a perfume vibe. I'm not even sure if that's a real perfume or it's a smell. Um, I, I I don't think that on the budget that they had, they were able to create a perfume for a film like this. Oh, definitely not. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'd say it's just more making you know, making you maybe think about that, or like making you think that there's some sort of smell in the air when you're watching it, which I think is pretty easy. Yeah. To to imagine um so yeah the opening credits are uh pretty much evelyn just riding her bike and like a couple of still still frames um that are kind of painted over with all sorts of different nice colors and yeah it's just like a collage of stuff while she's riding her bike and it's uh it's wonderful it's very yeah that's, that's another thing which it's i maybe gorgeous. maybe thought you wouldn't vibe with it's like this very 70s 60s 70s european horror vibe of mm. uh yeah lavish colors and kind of nearly fantasy gothic kind of uh i mean the thing style. is i like i like that aesthetic and i like that vibe it's more like i mean the point of reference we have is um the strange vice of mrs vard definitely but for you know for that it was i guess more of a i didn't like the actual film like the 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 plot mm-hmm. or whatever but i mean the aesthetics and all i appreciate and i like okay. of like 70s and 60s films so i mean i enjoyed that aspect this this film is also super timeless like i mean it could be set this film it could be set in like an alternative universe uh it could be set right now it could be set in the future it could be set in the past i think it's just set in its own thing yeah like it's it's kind of it's definitely like an alternate universe sort of vibe but um it's not it's not that how would you describe it like it's it's not dated you know like you've got someone types on a typewriter in it and it does have that kind of old-timey vibe Mm -hmm. but at the same time it doesn't i don't get the impression that it's necessarily like supposed to be set way in the past yeah definitely um i don't think it's set at any particular time but you know it's it does a good job of just being like timeless yeah that's exactly kind of what what peter says on the commentary which is very much like there's a you know the, the 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 costumes as well are from all over the place in terms of time uh, obviously the, mm-hmm. the the stuff that we'll talk about in a second with the more uh lingerie uh based things is, is more modern but the, the stuff they wear is uh like every day seems to be dating back a lot and it's kind of yeah it, it's not a particular style it's not a particular time it's not a particular country either honestly um yeah you kind of get the vibe that there are no cars in this world. Everybody seems to be riding a bicycle, just like Evelyn does at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. And there's no really modern technology in terms of TVs. Uh, I don't know. Computers. Nobody has a computer in this film, really. Um, so, yeah, it's like... it's. But, but at the same time, 
you kind of, you know, I don't know. You also don't think that this takes place like 200 years ago. That's for sure. Peter Strickland also says yeah, exactly. uh, it's either the past or maybe the future. So I don't know. Maybe that's his vision mm-hmm. of the future or something like that. Um, I don't know. Uh, but I think uh, the, the sense of timelessness is very important for this working. Also, everybody has a different accent. Um, it, yeah. It's... I mean, the two main actresses are ones from Denmark and the other ones from Italy. Yeah. Um... And uh, one of them has more of a British accent, I guess, but the other is, is some sort of European, can't, can't really place it. And everybody in the film is kind of like that, mostly. Uh, so mm-hmm. You'd say like some sort of European uh, English accent. Yeah. Um, the film was filmed in Hungary, um, but when I was watching it for the first time, I got like an Italy vibe from it, mostly. Um, mm. But it's not really like it's not filmed in Italy. It's not supposed to be Italy. Um, again, it's kind of everywhere and nowhere. It's kind of supposed to be, yeah, anywhere and nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, but that kind of vibe you get with the opening credits, which is very, very kind of dating back, very 60s, very 70s, very not an opening sequence you would see in films today, is also, yeah, kind of harking back to the horror aesthetic. And I think that's the first time we kind of see it because those kinds of, there's like a, there's like a shot in that uh, montage that's very much Rosemary's Baby. Uh, with like uh, Cynthia's face, like kind of lying down and looking up, and like a thing in front of it. Mm-hmm. That's like a Rosemary's Baby thing. Um, but yeah, but it's kind of at this time the the film starts building up on that kind of tradition of uh, of uh, yeah. I guess the closest film we've covered on the podcast for this would be The Strange Vice of of Miss Ward. Um, yeah, but I think the main point of reference were more like erotic things that that happened back then, like that stuff that Jess Franco directed. Uh, there was also a French guy who did like a film called Fascination and, and a bunch of other things, and yeah, so it's kind of starting to build up that aesthetic of this is where we're taking this from, and it's gonna continue through the film. Mm-hmm. Yay! All right. So yeah, they like. Oh, also, I want to so basically, talk oh. about producers. Sorry. Also, Amy Jump and Ben Wheatley <laughs> produced it. Um, oh. You know Amy. You know Ben Wheatley. I know his name. Yeah, he he he's a director and he made some cool stuff. He also produces things like that, which is really nice of him. And um, yeah, him and Amy Jump are like collaborate collaborators, and they mostly do films together. And they are producers on this, so they made this happen. So thank you. Made like Free Fire yeah. recently. You went to didn't you? You went to see him do a talk, didn't you? I did. Maybe I talked about it on the podcast. Yeah. You love him, and Amy Jump is his wife. Yes, exactly. And she usually writes scripts for, I think, for his stuff. And they write oh, together. Their website is down. Oh no. Or it just mightn't exist anymore. Wikipedia could just be wrong, uh, which has happened before. That never so. happened before, Abby. I would like you to know that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Basically, the main characters' names are, are we kind of learn gradually. I referred to um, I have it written somewhere at the point where I realized the other one's name. For the whole film, I thought Evelyn. I didn't know what Evelyn's name was, so I just referred to her as Gal. And then eventually, I was like, maybe I should find out this woman's name because she's one of the main characters. Okay. So I checked. Um, but yeah, so Evelyn. Yes cycles up to a big fancy house um, and she calls the doorbell and what I noticed kind of immediately here was that like I find the sounds are super pronounced in the film like I guess they had like I don't know 
Foley artists or maybe they just like really put microphones on people's shoes like I don't know um, <laughs> like you can hear every single step that they take like when they like adjust things in their arms you can hear each sound which is kind of one of those things you don't really notice the absence of in like different films and different tv shows until you see it in another film and you see how prevalent it is and you're like yeah like that's how it would be in real life um yeah so i liked that i, I like when sounds are a bit more pronounced because i mean sounds are interesting and fun that's very interesting it's the same of when she's like yeah when she's by the like the babbling brook or whatever it is mm-hmm. you know you can really hear the sound super distinctly and it's like such a nice sound Definitely. that we all know. I mean, most of us know, maybe, I don't know. Um, but like, well, yeah, just that I, th- I thought it was really interesting because it's like the visuals are all really good, but like the sound is something that I think is disregarded a lot in films when mm-hmm. it comes to like, unless it's like a sci-fi or something where the sound is like something that has to be created. Mm-hmm. But this is like just really mundane sounds, but they're like all kind of amplified or pronounced yeah. somehow. Um, I liked it. Yeah, it's great. I, I definitely think that there's a lot of sound in this film. And the sound also kind of goes in with the music. And the music sometimes takes over. And sometimes they kind of mix. It's very nice, very very thought out. You can definitely see how much work was put into it. But I think that's interesting because Strickland's previous film, uh, Berberian Sound Studio, is about a sound designer. Is about a guy yeah. who makes sound for movies. Um, a foley artist yeah it's like um he's played by toby jones uh wonderful british uh character actor and um yeah and barbarian sound studio is based in the 70s it's got a more of a maybe more of a direct setting because it's the 70s in italy and they're making a giallo film um so a lot of that giallo aesthetic i think maybe comes from that film as well it's kind of back here a little bit um but yeah but barbarian sound studio is about that guy making the sounds for the film so he's recording a lot of like you know smashing things and cuts and things on like fruit and shit like that um Mm -hmm. and also women screaming and stuff like that um so i think like sound is very important to to strickland maybe he just like i don't know i i was watching an interview right before we recorded this where a guy (laughs) get the interviewer this like one of his questions like was what is sound to you? Or something like that. He was like, what about sound? And then Peter Strickland was like, oh, God, God, please don't ask me that question. <laughs> and then he said, "He just, I just like it. And I think that's kind of what comes out. You know, it's like he's very particular yeah. about it. And that's really cool. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't need to be anything more than like, I like it. Oh, 100%. What is sound to you is a stupid question. It is a really bad question. The, the interviewer <laughs> acknowledges it and tries to ask a different one. So I think he was just okay, nervous. Good. But, you know. He wanted to be like, I know that you use sound, interestingly. <laughs> he wanted to be like, I know your films. Yeah, he tried to cop out of that. He's like, oh, I watched your film and I heard the sound. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think also like at the beginning of this film when she goes and, and rings the doorbell, it's like such a jarring cut from... Because you start the film and it's like nature, very nice. Music kicks in nice good vibes and then it's kind of like she rings the doorbell and suddenly some everything's very pronounced because you have to kind of feel the room that you're in yeah yeah so it's kind of i think it's just like you notice it because of the way it's edited and made uh cool so evelyn rings the doorbell and cynthia opens the door again you don't know her name yet she opens the door and um she says uh, you're late or something like that yeah um yeah, and um, yeah. So basically, Evelyn comes in to do the cleaning. She's 
a maid. She's kind of dressed up a little bit like a maid, I guess. You guessed kind of the idea. And Cynthia is this big kind of like towering, very uptight seems person um, who's just kind of bossing her around. He's telling her, go clean the study. And she kind of watches her do it. Yeah, and so she... Well, she when she sits down... So the you're late thing, we're kind of like, oh, she's a bit angry. Yeah. And then, like... Evelyn comes in and sits down and then the rude la- I refer to her as rude lady at this point. Yes, rude lady. Um, the rude lady says, did I say you can sit? Mm. Um, so like from here you're kind of, and this is my thought process because I haven't seen the film before. Uh, it's like, oh, I guess this woman is the cleaner. Yes. Um, um, and she's like, you can start by cleaning. So then Cynthia um, is like, you can start by cleaning the study and don't take all day this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you kind of, it kind of brings you around the house and makes it sort of clear that the person who owns the house i guess the lady is like an entomologist of some sort um which yeah. is a person who studies in- insects because there's like lots of like insects everywhere um like what, what are they called is it like it's not really taxidermy but like the whatever the bug equivalent of taxidermy uh, is i can tell like you it's a study of but there's a word for a study of butterflies directly well yeah so she's she's studying lepidopterology yes okay or no that's what so yeah um so she's a lepidopterologist or whatever. <laughs> lots of, like, yes. yes. She's got lots of. So at first, it just kind of seems like it's lots of bugs because there's like an emphasis on bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, like in the opening sequence, there's like worms and stuff like that. Um, but then it sort of becomes more clear that there's more of an emphasis on like butterflies and moths. And moths, which yeah. Is what uh, what a lepidopterologist studies. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's moths, butterflies, and then like the greater butterfly family. Yeah. Thing. Um, so yeah. And the so the thingy Evelyn's like cleaning around, and as she's cleaning, the rude lady eats a sweet, and she like throws the wrapper on the ground yeah. in front of the cleaner. Mm. So rude. Um. So she's just generally being rude while Evelyn like goes around yeah, and cleaning. Definitely. There's this um, wonderful like shot she... when when that candy thing happens, where the the camera's got this pan or like this movement across the floor, because Evelyn is on her knees, kind of scrubbing the floor. And then, then the rude lady takes the wrapper and just kind of like flamboyantly throws it on the ground while she's <laughs> next to it. <laughs> and Evelyn's just like looking at her and then she just picks it up. It's like, and, and this it's all in this one shot across the, the floor of the living room. And it's, mm-hmm. um, it's great. It's, uh, yeah, it's, um, you get maybe starting to get like a little bit of a sexy vibe. Maybe, maybe I start getting a sexy vibe. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's definitely some like sexual tension you can sense, yeah. um, but it's more so. I feel it's it's still at this point. I'm like, oh, this lady is not nice, yeah. and this cleaner is just trying to do her job. Yeah. Um, and the, so the cleaner comes in. She's like, oh, I'm finished, uh, or whatever. And then Cynthia's like, you finish when I say. Mm. And then Evelyn says, but there's nothing left to do. And then Cynthia says, oh, there's plenty left to do. You can start by rubbing my feet. Mm. And then Evelyn starts rubbing her her feet. Her stocked feet, yes. stockinged, stock, what is it, stockinged? Uh, yes. um, her feet, she starts rubbing her feet, which is, you know, one of those, I guess, sexy things. Um, and then while she's rubbing her feet, she's like, may I go to the toilet? And Cynthia's like, no. Yeah. Which is uh, very rude. rude, yes. Yes. So then it kind of moves on and um, the cleaner is watching the mean lady undress into, like down to her underwear through the keyhole in the woman's door. Yes. And then it cuts back, back to um, 
And it's also confusing because it's like, wait, why is she now watching her undress and then the next scene she's typing? Is this a new day? What's happening? Yeah, the, the um, sense of time in this film is is, is pretty is fluid as well, yeah. Yeah. So Cynthia's like type or the mean lady is like typing on typewriter. Um and then she goes to watch the meat the she watches the cleaner through the window, blah blah blah. And then basically the cleaner is made to wash um the mean lady's lingerie without using the machine, so she has to do it by hand. Yes. And then the shots of the laundry in the bubbly water were beautiful. Yeah, it's very nice. I love them. They are so nice. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful like blue bathroom kind of with tiles. Uh yeah, and they're like very like extreme close ups on the on their underwear in the sink with just like little bubbly bits of soap. And then it's so nice. Yeah, it's it's very nice. It's very kind of calming, but also yeah, kind of like a little bit sexy. You know, it's underwear. I yeah. don't know. It's like it's got this intimate feeling in it. You know, mm. you start kind of yeah, getting, exactly. and yeah, you kind of start getting into that kind of vibe of like, oh, it's it's kind of it's it's all of it is taking a while. It's it's not fast paced. It's a lot of it is yeah. like yeah, close ups of things and nice shots and kind of you're there you're, you're when the foot rubbing scene is happening you're kind of focusing a lot on the foot and the, the leg um and it's all you know it's very um yeah it's very kind of um i, I don't want to say poetic but it's very much focused on the form you know it's like yeah i mean the the dialogue in the film is super sparse yes it's sparse, but also at this point in the film when it's happening, it's very like kind of old school melodrama stuff. You know, it feels very acted yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Oh. Oh. Um. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers in this. You should have watched the um, film. But, still. but <laughs> so yeah, basically then, so she's cleaned the underwears. Also, there's great in. music in this. I have written music is so great. Yeah. I don't really remember what motifs are where, but like there. But, are, but yeah, the music's yeah. good throughout. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the cleaner goes in and she's like, I'm done. And then then the mean lady says something along the lines of like, let me see if you've done your job properly. Yeah. Um, so she goes and she looks and she comes back with another pair of underwear and she's like, what's this? Yeah. Uh, so she basically she's like, missed a pair of underwear and the mean lady's like berating her about it. And then um, the cleaner's like, I can do it now. And then the mean lady's like, it's too late. And then I said, so then they go into another room and then... And then I was like, I guess the mean lady washes the cleaner's mouth out. And then I said, oh, wait, she unzipped something. I guess she peed in her mouth. Well, Abby, you are right. <laughs> and then, you guessed and then I'm right. Like, and then my next note is, hang on a moment. <laughs> mean lady just kissed the cleaner and they are being nice to each other. OMG, it was a dominatrix role play. <laughs> and I mean, dominatrix is a is a was really just the word I could come up with. It's not really Dominatrix. It's, not, yeah. it's more just kind of a some kind of a fantasy that they're playing out, I guess. In a yeah. of a dominant sort of a like dominant submissive thing, but it's not directly like a dominatrix, so to speak. Yeah. Maybe it is. I'm not really sure what qualifies a dominatrix. I'm just thinking of PVC. <laughs> yeah, I think well, I'm not an expert on, on those topics, but I think a dominatrix, yeah, it feels more like like a session yeah like one session with a dominatrix where she does like stuff like this to you i guess i don't know what whatever yeah uh someone being mean to you basically yeah this was like a like a setup yeah and but yeah but that scene with the with the peeing i think it's extremely important for this film uh mm, it is yeah i think for me i was just like there's no way she's peed in her mouth so she must be like washing it out or something yeah i think you might not realize at the beginning that this happened because it's all behind closed doors it's one shot where it's like she brings her to the bathroom and the door closes behind her and you just see the door 
and then you just hear the sounds and the sounds are she unzips something and then she says open your mouth and mm -hmm. then you hear like yeah like a flow and and somebody choking um yeah. so i guess like in your head maybe when you're watching it for the first time you're like well no this is a film right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm like well i assume i guess she's like washing her mouth out with soap which is weird because like that's usually the punishment for like talking back or like cursing yes so i didn't i was like that seems like a strange punishment to go for but sure but then i had the realization that it was in fact um water sports that were at play. Uh, yes there was there was a little bit of water sports and i think at this point in time like when you didn't see the next shot yet i think it seems kind of cruel maybe like you know you're like oh that's kind of oh that's like it's it's shot in a very like everything in this film is shot in a very elegant um manner it's not explicit it's not you know vulgar in any way really especially considering that what what's happening <laughs> you know it's like it's quite vulgar well, the, yeah, what's happening is kind of, I guess, vulgar, but not in, like, I don't know, in the context of the whole film, I don't think it is really. But, like, yeah, maybe when you're watching it at this point, you're like, oh, peeing into somebody's mouth, that sounds like kind of a, you know, a harsh thing to show. But it's shown in a, such a restrained manner. But still, I think you can get yeah. that kind of feeling of, oh, okay, that's, that's, that's a bit um, explicit. Bit much. Yeah. I think it's like the film has the, like, I guess, how would you describe it? Like, the the grace to not show it. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, listen, you can derive what's happening through the sound. That's why, like, sound is so important. Mm -hmm. It's like, listen to the sound and you can work out what's happening, but you don't need to know. You don't need to see it. It's, there's, it's not necessary for us to see it. We yeah. can tell by what we hear. Yeah, definitely. Which I think is part of what makes it more effective is that it's like, listen, just, you can work it out. We're not going to be so um like vulgar as to show you yeah. because that's not what this is about yeah it's not necessary and um and also once you get that shock or like that kind of thing of oh this is what's happening it cuts right into that nice scene of them kissing and you're like and there's this kind of in instant like kind of you go down from that kind of feeling to yeah. more like oh it seems okay it's it's a consensual agreement that they've got like. yeah you see uh cynthia taking off her wig um and evelyn kind of thanking her for everything and they yeah there's like a sense of closeness and they just kind of yeah kiss and then cuddle and and yeah it's very nice yeah so cynthia is mean lady and um evelyn is the cleaner for reference um and yeah so evelyn or cynthia says not too cold and then evelyn says the colder the better mm. interesting Interesting. And I said, well, now I... <laughs> so I said, mean lady was wearing a wig. And then I said, well, now I don't know what to call her because I guess she isn't really mean. She's not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was just doing what she was asked. Uh, yeah, I don't think we know their names at this point in the film. We're going to, like, no, I think we learn don't. them very soon. But, yeah, still yeah. no names on them. Um, now there's just some raunchy scenes, I guess. Well, um, yeah, well, you say it like that. <laughs> there's the scene of, next. like, Evelyn... Looking into the microscope uh, again, as she did in the in the in the uh, in the study or in the office before with the butterflies. By the way, I guess if you know what the Duke of Burgundy is, which I didn't know when I watched it, you could kind of see it at this point because the Duke of Burgundy's uh, featured a lot in the uh, in the uh, section in the office with the butterflies and the moths. Mm -hmm. uh, the Duke of Burgundy is a type of butterfly, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. 
And yeah, you see a lot of displays of it. So I guess if you know something about butterflies, you can kind of figure out, oh, that's why it's called the Duke of Burgundy or whatever. Um, but if you if you don't know that, then you will probably not figure it out for the whole film. And that's fine. <laughs> what do you mean? Like you, if you don't know what the, that the Duke of Burgundy is a is a is a is a butterfly, there's nothing in this film that's gonna tell you that. Oh yeah, I guess. So you're always like, why is this called the Duke of yeah. Burgundy? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, um. Yeah. So Evelyn <laughs> just looks into the microscope and sees Cynthia through the microscope, which cuts into, I guess, the more like an erotic montage of of them just being close to each other. Um, right. Yeah. There's there's some sex involved, but again, it's like Disgusting. you know on my Blu-ray, uh, the Blu-ray that I have. The rating, yeah. So on my Blu-ray box it says it's an 18 rating, um, and then when you turn it to the back it says, uh, in the explanation of the 18 rating it says theme of a sexual fetish. Oh. And that's it. And that's honestly the only 18 thing that happens in this film because you don't really see much else. I mean, you see sexy times. Well, yeah, but you mostly know they're sexy times because of how it's filmed and, like, the feeling of it, but there's no nudity in this film, for example. Yeah, it's true. There is no nudity. Um, there's no breasts. Um, there's something later on that I guess could constitute, like, a some sort of a closeness to a vagina, but, like, you don't really see anything either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the sex scenes... I, f- I thought the, 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 the sex scene here was very similar to uh, to Strange Vice. Um, I thought there was a very big similarity in how this looked. Oh, yeah. The vibe is much similar. It's just that there wasn't, like, glass and blood everywhere. Correct. It was all very nice <laughs> and not weird. There wasn't, like, the rapey background yes. story. <laughs> yeah. It w- there wasn't all the things that... You see, that's the thing. It's like, there wasn't all the things that you kind of associated with this kind of film and this kind of aesthetic... It wasn't there, but you still could kind of get that it's the same aesthetic. Yeah, it's the it's all the aesthetic without the trash. Yeah. It's still kind of trashy. It's still like very, like there's a lot of like mirror images, and it's got it's it's not sleazy, but it's got this vibe of a of a, of a cheaper film maybe. Um, yeah. In it, which is great, which is what I love so much about it. It's still it's not like it's forgetting like you know it's clearly a film that was born out of something like this. And it's more classy than that, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't use the same thing, you know, the same stuff. It takes mm-hmm. out all the, yeah, all the uh, things that make you go, hmm, not sure about that when you're watching a Jello film. But it's not a shame to be, you know, uh, associated with that. So I, I, why I think yeah. I like it so much. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Strickland talks a little bit about that on the commentary as well. You know, trying to avoid the male gaze and kind of trying to film it in a way that's not exploitative um and i think it's not a freaking male gaze i hate it well well, he's man i know filming that i hate him uh lesbian sex scene uh between uh, two two women and um yeah it doesn't feel it feels like it's very intimate more than anything to me like it's very yeah like if you told me if you told me this film was made by a woman i'd believe you yeah like i do think he does um he does a good job and like does it in a I guess respectful is the appropriate word way um, you know he's not it's not exploitative and it's he's he has done a good job of like avoiding the male gaze 
Yeah, I think he 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 did does that as well. Yeah. So yeah, so we have some sexy times, and then after that we got our first uh, talk, our first scene outside of the house, really, um, where we see our two characters going to um, university school kind of setting, mm-hmm. um, something like that. Uh, and Cynthia is talking about uh, butterflies and about her work and, and stuff like that. Um, obviously, I don't understand any of it. Um, I think it's a well, one thing research that... thing, but I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, well, when I was reading, I was reading something, I was reading an article somewhere and it was saying that like the talks, the all the languages are just supposed to be like so beyond probably the audience's like knowledge that it's like what they're saying isn't necessarily important. Yeah. Um, but she says, um, so they're talking about like the sounds that like the moths and the butterflies make, I guess. Um, and she said, these recordings should demonstrate how fundamental sound is as a classifying factor. And I was like, so that's why the sound in the movie is so pronounced. Well, yeah. Because the sound is an important classifying factor. Mm. I liked it. It was nice. And then they play the sounds and the sounds play and you kind of watch everybody for a while. And there's several mannequins in the audience. <laughs> yes. Inexplicably, for no reason. There's Because I was like, okay, then why is there a mannequin in the audience? I am so upset. And then I said, oh no, there are several. <laughs> why are there mannequins in the audience? There are a few, and you can kind of play a game of this is where, figuring This is out. where I can sit. I, yeah, you can. This is where I'm like, this is a horror movie. This is Uncanny Valley Central. I hate mannequins. They're so spooky. Mannequins where they're not supposed to be are so spooky to me. Yeah, uh, I think it's funny that they're there. It's a little little thing. Um, Strickland has a thing for mannequins. They go back. They they come back in the fabric. His next film, mm. which is more about clothes and well, it's a film about a dress that kills people. So I guess there's that part of it. And there's lots of mannequins. And there's a I don't want to ruin too much what's going on in, in fabric. But yeah, I haven't seen it. But there is a mannequin sex scene in it, which is great. So I recommend watching that. <laughs> Uh, wow. it's really good <laughs> so great uh, it's also very funny but uh, but yeah but there are a few mannequins in the in the in the audience I didn't notice them the first I did not notice them the first time I watched it um, I did notice them the second time around because they're really like I don't know yeah there are mannequins and they're not like very like they're not even hidden they're there in the back and you're like if you look at them they're there but they do kind of fit in <laughs> I don't know I mean they yeah the thing is is that like they I noticed them right away yeah but like, you could also easily miss them. Yeah. But they're there, and they're like, you kind of look because at first I think it's like a stable shot, so it's not moving because then it starts to pan across. But I feel like it's stable first, and you're just looking, and the mannequin's there, and you. I, I was like, hmm, that person looks weird, and I was like, wait, that's a mannequin. And I was like, okay, wait, maybe it's not a mannequin, and they're just like looking because their head is like to the side, yeah. like they're not if they've not even tried to make it look like it's engaged in the in the talk, and then eventually. I, I was just watching and I was like, okay, if they move their head, then it's a mannequin. Or then it's not a mannequin. And they just never moved their head. So, thus it was a mannequin. To be fair, all the women in the audience are not very, they're not moving a lot and they don't have expressions on their faces while they're listening to the butterfly sound. So, it's, uh, it is a bit hard to tell. Yeah. Uh, it is. Yeah. Mm, but also, I guess at this point, we you should start noticing that, oh, there's only women here. Mm-hmm. And if you notice that, what's that about? Then you're right. There's only women here, and in this world, in this world, and you will never see a man in the film. 
It's incredible. It's great. An ideal world. It's basically basically the film is set in a utopia. Um, sure. Um, why not? Uh, it's not again. It's not something that's addressed. It's like the time. And it's like the place. It's like this thing of, well, you don't need to know where it is. Yeah. You don't need to know when it is. And the men don't ask. Stop asking. Yeah, it's not a film about men, and men are not necessary, so they're not there. There you go. Shut up about it, everybody. Uh, Stop asking Peter. He's busy. Uh, I hope he's busy making another film. I hope not. Coronavirus is happening. Uh, you're right. But maybe he's writing. Have all film? Have all like films in the world just stopped? Like right now, is there like no films being made? Is, is this a crazy concept? There are some, but yeah, most of it has stopped, and most of it has been rescheduled as well. Um, there was this guy in Poland who refused to stop making his film. Um, but I don't know what happened to him. Hopefully he died. Probably got coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think a lot of it has stopped or has been delayed indefinitely and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a big, like, you know, the movie industry is one of the industries that's very strongly hit by this. Um, oh yeah. It's really, I mean, the Oscars next year, there's like, I don't know, there's not going to be as many contenders because... I think they films aren't getting the same releases and stuff. How are they going to do it? I think they said they're going to accept films that were released online. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's good. Um, so yeah, something I, I don't know. It's going to be a weird one anyway. Um, with the festivals not happening, I don't know what what did Cannes finally do? Because Cannes was like, I don't know if we're going to do it, and I don't think they're going to do it at all. Or did they reschedule it? I don't remember. Well, anyways, I don't know. Uh, it's weird to think like Zoom, Zoom can. Oh, that would be something. Yeah. I don't know if it would be something good. It would be terrible. It would be the worst thing in the world. <laughs> uh, but I would love to see like at least a part of it. You know, see a fucking, you know, I don't know, somebody coming out after their film or was played online and everybody's on Zoom clapping. That would be so fucking weird. <laughs> and just got, I, I don't like know, it. Quentin Tarantino in his like fucking mansion <laughs> from his pool, <laughs> you know, watching me like, yeah, I made this film. It's great. Yeah, and what? Did you love it? Uh, anyways. Um. Yeah, no man in this film. Back and also, film while we're talking about man in film, um, there was another film recently that tried to pull this off, and that was um, Luca Guadagnino's remake of Suspiria. Uh, and I want to talk about it because it pissed me off. Suspiria is a film that's trying to have no man in it. Um. By any means, like it's got like all of the cast is female. But then what Suspiria does is it gets a male character and makes Tilda Swinton play it. So it's like, okay, so there, so you don't get a male actor playing it, I guess. But there's still a man in the film, which was like to me like, yeah. well, then why do you do it? And also there's a little scene where two policemen kind of come into play in Suspiria. So they're also there and they're all mostly there to just show their dicks. But still... I was like, if you're going to do it, commit to it. You know, Peter Strickland made a film with no man and it was great. And it was a lot better than the shit you did, Luca. Sorry. It's not that hard, Luca. Yeah. You know, you know who would have made a great Suspiria remake? Peter Strickland. He would fucking knock it out of the park. Yeah, he would. He would do a great job. Um, Anyway, sorry. I hate the new Suspiria. <laughs> I haven't seen it and to watch it because I love Suspiria. It's kind of a spoiler that I said that Tilda Swinton plays the dude because she's got a lot of makeup up on and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, I remember it being in the news, mm. so 
because they tried to make it they tried to hide it to be fair uh, i did not realize for most of the film so that's good it didn't make a difference for me anyway anyways yeah mannequins no man everything's great everything's great uh yeah (laughs) um so yeah next cynthia there's like a couple things happen cynthia is like reading instructions that evelyn wrote to her as it's in like the form of a letter um so it kind of it's becoming clear how the arrangement works so it's like when i ring the doorbell wait a minimum of 30 seconds and a maximum of five minutes and there's kind of a lot more conditions yes so she reads that and then she's like reading over a script that was written for her which is like the scene that we saw at the beginning mm-hmm. and <laughs> she's drinking lots of water lots presumably of water. to be full of pee yes that's very funny she keeps drinking the water and it's like a, yeah it's, it keeps happening yeah so now we're back at like the the setup again but now this time we kind of see it from cynthia's perspective and now you're mm-hmm. aware that it's a setup but you're gonna pretty much see the same thing again before that happens i just want to mention that we have another little edit montage of of them kind of being intimate with each other and i guess the most explicit sex scene happens in that part uh because you see oral sex happening um it's a nice like mirror mirror shot lots of mirror shots in this film it's like a mirror thing where you kind of look at it through a mirror um i just want to mention it because i guess it's the most explicit thing like you don't really see much but yeah you kind of like it's clearly an oral sex scene um but it's part of a montage which purposes to show you how they're like having a nice everyday life um Mm -hmm. it's not sensationless in any way it feels very again kind of sweet and kind of close like they're like just nice with each other you know it's like this kind of thing of everyday life that's part of it um yeah and again before we cut to that part where we see the um the setup again it's like yeah it's it's them having oral sex and their their images kind of blur into like nothingness like just like it gets blurrier 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 until it's just like a little uh blob of color and then we mm-hmm. go into uh the scene again and there's a lot of that kind of you know zoom in and then you know and then like you know everything gets so blurry that you don't see objects anymore uh it's it's wonderful i love it so much that's great um yeah so yeah so basically we see the thing from cynthia's perspective loads of water reading lines um and you kind of start seeing that cynthia is not having that much fun in that yeah she looks bored yeah um and i i'm like i feel like this like if you had this sort of thing the same script every day would be so boring definitely like doing the exact same thing that's i don't even see how that would be interesting like exciting for the person who it's like the, I guess, receiver or whatever. Like the submissive person. I don't even know how that would be exciting. It's the same thing every day. Yawn. Yeah, I, that's kind of true. But I, I don't know. Like, I think in terms of like sexual things, sometimes you like a little bit of repetition. Like sometimes there are like specific things that are your triggers that you kind of want. So mm-hmm. I do think that for... Um, that for... Uh, Evelyn, Evelyn, yeah, it's just like a thing of there are specific things she needs and she just kind of gets them from the script. And mm-hmm. she, yeah, she works on the script so she gets new stuff or whatever, but she still wants, like, you know, to uh, wrap the feet or whatever, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so she still, they still use the same setups. And you don't really know how long they've been doing it for or how often it happens. Like, that's not, not those are not things that the film kind of shows you. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a world in which you can presume that what you're seeing now is just the same thing, but from a different perspective sure yeah um, doesn't um really matter 
yeah so then um then evelyn is like scrubbing boots outside um and then she just sort of stops and sits there and then at that point i was like wait is she bored and then i realized that it's like part of the scene so like um cynthia comes out and is like what are you doing don't don't stop again or whatever and like i think before that she like looks at her watch so it's very much like Mm. a timed thing and then evelyn stops scrubbing again and she's sort of sitting there waiting for cynthia to come correct her and she doesn't um and so she like runs and knocks on the door to like prompt cynthia to come and like give out to her um so you know it's that thing of like she you see the sort of slips in character i guess which is interesting she's like come on it's like this thing of yeah she there's something missing so you kind of see the the dynamic is different at this time very clearly Mm -hmm. of like yeah it's cynthia who's supposed to be the dominant but it's actually evelyn kind of from the back kind of needing that so controlling everything. so she is the one who's really yeah. controlling the, the controller which is kind of fun uh yeah it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic where it's yeah. like this person is the one controlling the situation but they're not the one who's dominant yeah but they are like i don't know outside of like the role play realm of it all like she's the one that's dominant yeah definitely uh it's a funny scene i like the whole clean thing there's a lot of waiting yeah it's, it's a lot of like kind of like it's a bit boring because you just kind of have to wait for something to happen. And if you set up like a, like an elaborate uh, SLM scenario for yourself, like there's a lot of work put into it. There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of stuff like that, you know. Um, so it's not all, you know, kinky, sexy, mm-hmm. wonder. So then, yeah, next, I think, I guess there's stuff in between. Like there's some oral sex. Cynthia look, looks bored. Yeah. Not during the oral sex, I don't think. I don't really know. I didn't write that no, down. No, Cynthia looks bored. Um, yeah, sorry. I, I, I described the oral sex scene too early. Uh, but yeah, but Cynthia looks bored when uh, Evelyn reads her, her paper, it seems, uh, on butterflies. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. There's a little bit of a thing of Evelyn maybe not being that great in butterflies. <laughs> or like... Yeah, and kind of trying yeah, too hard yeah, to impress yeah. Cynthia. Definitely, yeah. So there's a little bit of that. Uh, and I mean, for for Cynthia, it's kind of like, she's the expert, so like Evelyn reading something to her, she's like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, like, yeah. Your reference is me. Um, and also the cat keeps looking at the camera and I'm like, stop mm. looking at me. Sir, yeah, there's a lot of them. cat. We never learned the cat's name, which is too bad. Uh, that's great. I love the cat. Might be named Jono. Might, maybe his name is Jono. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so then Evelyn. So then it's like the next morning, I guess, and they wake up, and Evelyn asks, and it's sort of like initially, it's like this normal, sweet waking up couple, you know, touching each other's faces, having a little kiss, and then Evelyn asks Cynthia to tell her something, and um, Cynthia like tells her about how much she loves her, and it's really sweet, and then Evelyn is like, no, talk about the other things, basically like prompting Cynthia to, and then she like puts her hand down under the covers assumably to masturbate um what like prompt cynthia sorry no that's sorry sorry matt i know that really upsets you that what? didn't happen no that didn't happen that was a glitch in the but, system but, but... it's impossible but it's for females to do that two women um yeah so cynthia basically ta- starts talking like meanly as evelyn touches herself and cynthia is like clearly bored and just like running out of things to say and evelyn is like improvise <laughs> she's like go back to the beginning improvise and it's like this isn't sexy <laughs> um and then 
Evelyn is like, so she finishes and whatever, and then Evelyn's just like, try to talk with more conviction in your voice next time. And I'm like, don't be correcting her, like, feckin' dirty talk. <laughs> it's the morning. She's not ready. Uh, yes, that's true. That is a very fu- so that's funny, like a scene. funny scene. That's a funny scene, but also, like, it kind of shows you that the thing of, like, Cynthia being... You know, she's more into just like, yeah, just have a morning, you know, with somebody you love. And they're cl- clearly very in love. You know, there's a lot of very nice things they say to each other. And they seem to be very close and, and intimate. And Cynthia just wakes up and wants to kind of enjoy that moment. But but Evelyn has that, that, that sexual thing kind of in, in, in the back of her head or some, you know, a need that she needs to satisfy. Um, yeah, I mean, with... Sorry, I know with like what I've read about like S and M relationships or whatever, there's very much like an emphasis of like it's important to like separate that from like your normal life as well. Like or not your normal life, but like it's important to also like care for each other in a loving, genuine yeah. way, besides the like role play aspect of it or whatever. Um so yeah, and they definitely like, they they definitely that. do, and I don't think that's like near, really the problem. I think it's fine. It's just that the the needs of both of them don't really align in that kind of way. Clearly, Cynthia does not mm-hmm. need that, and Evelyn needs it. Um, yeah, and they try to meet somewhere in the middle, and that's like that's what the film is about. That's what the whole film is about. We're gonna keep talking about it, I guess. But like, it's yeah, the, I guess yeah. To me, it kind of it, to me it kind of comes across as like this is probably what they've been doing for quite a while, but like maybe once a week or something like that like it's you know Evelyn wanted to try this out mm. and she really liked it and so she's like let's keep trying because I mean especially at the start like when when Evelyn is or when Cynthia asks after like the first scene or whatever the first day um she's like too cold and then so you get the impression that it's like they're cr- kind of trying it out maybe for the first time um so then it's sort of like at the start it's probably like a bit exciting and for like probably for Cynthia as well Mm -hmm. to an extent but then it's like Evelyn is sort of just getting greedy with it where she's like this is great let's just keep doing it and Cynthia's like Mm -hmm. but I also just like want to be a normal couple like I want to be able to just tell you I love you yeah exactly you know so especially because it's like it's not even her fantasy but she's the one who has to kind of like do the most with it yeah definitely like, it requires her to really, like, change the way she acts and everything. Whereas for Evelyn, it's kind of, it. there's not as much of a, like, I don't know. Especially because it's the thing that she likes. It's not as much of a burden to, like, adapt to it. Definitely. So it's, like, showing sort of a, 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 the balance is shifting a lot to a point where it's just, like, unfairly shifted towards whatever Evelyn wants. Yeah, definitely. And and during this scene, I think it's still, like, in the realm of Cynthia being okay with it. It's just, it's kind of an annoyance. It's one of those things that you, you have in your relationship that would kind of annoy you, maybe, because you didn't really match up emotionally or whatever, different moods. Yeah. But, you know, Cynthia does it, goes along with it, does her best. Definitely there's, like, this, this pit of, you know, you didn't next time, uh, don't have so much hesitation in your voice. Definitely is, like, a thing that kind of is um just like a mean thing maybe for her like it's definitely not you know in that kind of situation you can see kind of evelyn before she says it she kind of she has this moment of hesitation she kind of she she hugs her a little bit and then she's got this thing when you you're about to say something you shouldn't say to somebody you love which is yeah. like a, uh, you know she kind of stops a little bit and then says it anyway and cynthia definitely doesn't take that too well but generally i think no. it's a scene where there's you know where it's just like it's one of those things that happens sometimes and you just go along with it because, you know, sometimes it's about the other person, not you, and you kind of take one for the team. 
you take one for the team mm-hmm. and you rub your partner out or whatever you know whatever let's just get on with the morning um but it does show that kind of crack in the in the in the whole thing that's gonna mm-hmm. be the, the the focus of the rest of the film i love this scene so much yeah uh, uh, strickland was saying that he was trying to shoot in one take but it didn't really work um it's still mostly one take it's just there are little um little shots of the hands under the sheets or whatever i guess to kind of mm-hmm. yeah to to incorporate different different takes into it because he said it just didn't work in one take i think it's fine mm-hmm. that makes sense uh yeah um yeah so at this point there we see cynthia because it, it, the film sort of comes across as like a montage like there's never sort of a thing of like oh this that happens and then yeah. this happens yeah um, it's more like, oh, here's a little clip of something else happening, and now we're back to another scene. But we see Cynthia drinking water again, and at this point, I came up with a drinking game where you just drink every time Cynthia drinks a glass of water. You'd be lit by the end of it. Do you also have to pee whenever she pees into Evelyn's mouth? Yeah, you have to pee. Whoever you're watching the film, you have to pee, you have to pee into, into, their, into mouth. their mouth. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah, game. exactly. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, so then we're back. It's <laughs> too bad that to we don't class. have uh, Juliet. Uh, in as a guest for this episode because... <gasps> yeah and her friend yeah because that would be perfect whoa that would be perfect uh how many films films have you seen where somebody's uh pissing on somebody it doesn't have to be in their mouth i don't know i feel like this is the first one i can think of two others at least what ones are they i can think of uh roman polanski's film which is called bitter moon it's called bitter moon uh okay. so in bitter moon i i believe there's a scene where emmanuel signer pisses on hugh grant uh or something oh. similar happens uh, it's also a film about sexual fetishes and shit like that there's definitely a scene where she pours milk all over her um oh. he kind of think, think licks it off i don't know whatever so i can think of that bitter moon <laughs> and then there's a film by another polish director uh malgosha shamovska that was called sponsoring yeah, it was called L in in English, like in French. It's a French film, and there's a, oh, okay. there's a scene. It's a it's a film about um, well, it was called sponsoring in in Polish, which is that what we called uh, girls who will kind of get like a sugar daddy, um, so they oh. kind of get paid and you know whatever got money for shopping and they did like sexual and other kinds of stuff for them. And it's about like three different women three different now it's not a very good film whatever i'm not gonna talk too much about it but there is one scene <laughs> where a guy pisses on the on yana kulik's breasts um oh. where she kind of rubs them it's kind of awkward <laughs> yeah. um that's i don't like the sound of i'm that. gonna say that the duke of burgundy has the best peeing and mouth scene i've ever seen wait because we don't see it because we don't see it but also because it's so necessary for the film and it makes sense and it's not like just like a yeah it's not just there yeah it's not like this Ooh, this fucking edgy fetishistic thing we're gonna put in our film you know there's literally none of that here which is yeah it's just mm-hmm. it's part of the film it's good yeah but it's like it's it's also i think what's nice um because i mean i think it's the actual peeing in her mouth i feel like there's only one or maybe two scenes of it yeah there's i think it's only one but but it's like there's the constant reminder because she's constantly drinking water, which is kind of like nice little subtlety. It's kind of a joke, um, like the, the 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 way she drinks yeah. water all the time. It's funny, like you know. And again, it's that thing she, of like, like everyday glasses thing. at a time. Yeah. Um. It's good. It's good. Yeah. It's like this everyday. Yeah. Just like you know, you need to keep drinking to do something like this. You need preparation, so you just keep drinking water all the time. I don't know. It's like a it's like a jokey little you know little nod. It's fun stuff. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, what do we got next? Um, next, they're in another class, and there's more mannequins in the feckin' audience. Oh yeah, now we got Doctor Verdana. And I hate it. You hate the mannequins? I love them. I hate them. So I love them, but I hate them. I love the fact that I hate them. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So someone else is presenting, and Evelyn is like, "This is elementary level," mm. and she's just like generally being a bit of a bitch. Like yeah. she looks at the class leader's boots. Yes, she does look. She at just them. loves cleaning boots. She likes the boots. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then someone so because then someone else asks a question, and Evelyn's like, "Ugh, easy." And Cynthia like gives her a look, and Evelyn's like, "What's that look?" And it's like, "Well, you're being rude." Yeah. She's just being kind of no rude. Need. Uh, there's a lady. You're not even smart. Uh, just like making another talk, and she's talking about stuff, and I guess she's maybe I don't know, just feeling jealous or has a bad day or whatever, and she's trying mm-hmm. to kind of undermine her with her questions that she asks. Um, yeah. But kind of comes off looking stupid herself. Stupid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the the lady who's making the talk is called Doctor Veridana. Do you know what what reference oh. is that to? I do not. That's a reference to a film called Veridiana, which is uh, a Louis Buñuel film. Um, uh, an interesting film interesting. that I think won the foreign Oscar at some point, or no, maybe no, it won the Cannes. Sorry, um, but I think I've seen that film a long time ago, and I don't remember it very well. But I believe it's got also a sexual theme, but theme, but also but more like connected to religion and stuff like that. Uh, oh, okay. And Strickland does talk a lot about Buñuel in his, in his films, and I think that makes sense because back then when Buñuel was making stuff and and uh, making his surrealist shit, I think the the separation between you know art film and genre film wasn't as pronounced. So a lot of the stuff he was mm-hmm. doing maybe would be considered um, you know lowbrow or B movie horror today, but it was <laughs> art then and. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there's not a lot of difference between the two, so I think it's nice that he kind of brings that up because, yeah, they're they're connected, you know. I think. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So then, at the next scene, Cynthia is like sitting on Evelyn, and um, <laughs> That's a nice scene. also I just realized I so I like retrospectively when because when I learned that her name was Evelyn because I just referred to her as the gal. Yes. At this point, I'm still referring to her as the gal. Mm-hmm. But I went, I did like a find all and replace all thing. So I replaced every instance of Gal with Evelyn. But I forgot the fact that I've got the. So it's always just like, Cynthia is sitting on the Evelyn. <laughs> the Evelyn expresses feelings. Or expresses feelings expresses stupid about the... Feelings. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's just funny. Um, but yeah, so Evelyn expresses feeling like stupid about the question that she asked in the class. And... Um, and I guess she's just kind of feeling not great. And she's like, can you let me go now? And then Cynthia's like, no. And it's like, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> Cynthia's like, no, you know what? I'm enjoying you not talking. It's great. It's another kind of nice domestic scene, which just kind of by accident features a SNM <laughs> act in it. It's like a scene that you could have like with them sitting on the couch and everyone be like, oh, I think I did something stupid today. And Cynthia'd be like, oh, don't worry about it. It's all good. You know, cut them. But... But in this film, there's yeah, she's sitting on her face, <laughs> yeah. and they're dressed in sexy lingerie, and and, and Evelyn's tied up. It's yeah, it's great. Okay. Um, um, yeah. So then the carpenter. Yay! We're going to talk about carpenter. Carpenter. The carpenter is a lady. The carpenter arrives, well, and she. She's a lady. Yeah. Uh, well, she's not declared to be the carpenter, so it's just like a blonde lady arrives, and she like measures the bed, and Evelyn's watching her. Whatever's happening. 
And then I realized, I said, do men exist in this world? Hopefully not. So this film is set in a utopia. Yeah, there you go. Um, and she's like very glam. Mm. Um, There's this, like the whole sequence like, of her coming in and measuring the bed is just this elaborate fucking, you know, loads of shots, you know, complicated kind of from this to this, close-ups, mirrors, windows, all all this with like a musical backdrop. It takes a while and it's wonderful. And it's all about the carpenter measuring the bed in like, uh, you know. And measuring Evelyn. Yeah, and Evelyn. And it's like all kind of in that kind of little winky wink kind of you know yeah. like yeah she measures the bed and she takes the measurement tape and kind of flips it up while what's coming down it's like it's i don't know it's a lot of like character <laughs> just doing it imagine imagine if carpenters were all that glam yeah that'd be something like my dad just rocking up to a job with like feathers and nice little hat i would love that I mean, maybe not if you're that. I, I mean, I don't know. I did meet him. That would be kind of awkward, yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, if Fatma Mohammed, which is the name of the actress who who's the carpenter, did that in my house, I would be very glad. She is uh, a very talented lady. Once in, well, you know, one of a kind for sure. And she's in every Peter Strickland film, actually. Um, Oh, interesting. Yeah, it, usually in like yeah, small performances like that, you know, a character kind of appearing doing something weird. Uh, and in Fabric, she has a, a similar performance in terms that it's very like over the top and even more than here maybe, but it's like bigger. It's a bigger part of the film. And this is she's here just for one scene. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, you just remember her. I don't know, like the way she looks, the way she presents herself i just i don't know there's something about she's her great. you can't take I don't and know. she's gorgeous she is gorgeous she's very pretty she's romanian actually and she hasn't been in mm-hmm. many films which is weird to me honestly um she's got so she's like i guess in skin tone or like features she's like quite dark like she's got dark eyes she's yeah. like got, got sallow skin but then her hair is like platinum blonde and it's yeah. just like it's gorgeous yeah a lot of going um, on um yeah so she's like so you would like your lover to sleep on top of you <laughs> so so basically the carpenter's like specifically a carpenter for like s&m beds s&m furniture uh equipment yeah is this a thing <laughs> I, I really want to know is well this i'm sure there's like a specific service where you can buy i, I don't know if a carpenter is really what you would call them or like how this works but i'm sure they're like i don't know a website where you can buy s&m furniture or whatever um but it does kind of, it sort of also then gives you the impression of like, I guess this is something that's like super common definitely in this world. Definitely. Because she's like talking about having done it for someone else down the road. Yes. Um, <laughs> she's like, with no so, shame, she talks about how her neighbors got like a bed like that where somebody can get uh, locked in, locked in it for the night. Yeah. yeah it's great. So it's interesting. Um yeah, so it's like a very again. This is the only scene in the film that looks normal, which is kind of shot on the basis of, um, uh, you know, just a normal dialogue scene. You have a who's mm-hmm. talking, and then the counter shot of who's talking to them, and it's just like dialogue. That is literally the only scene in that film where that happens. And um, yeah, it's very dialogue focused, and it's a funny, funny scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's great they have they're having um, some tea they're, they're relaxing you know kind of having a nice yeah, conversation about about snm furniture and about the bed uh, yeah. that evelyn wants to get for her birthday which is kind of the, the point. yeah so she we find out that the bed will take eight weeks from the time an order is placed and evelyn's like really distressed by that yes. 
Um, and Cynthia's like, can you speed up the timing? Because it's supposed to be a birthday present. And then they make, they say something about, I think, like giving bugs. Like paying more to get it quicker. And then Cynthia or Evelyn says something about like bugs that they have, I think. Yeah. So is the is the money in this world bugs? Yes. That's the answer <laughs> to your question. There is no money. Like as far as I understand, there is no money in this world. Um again like a little little just thing bugs. i guess which is like they're they're not using money they they um it's not really clear because that's the only scene where it comes up uh they're definitely yeah. offering to pay with butterflies or like yeah a special kind of butterfly whether it's just like the butterflies are the only currency or whether it's just like oh it's there's no money so it's like something for something kind of favor based thing is is unclear mm-hmm. and not important anyway but definitely there's this feeling of... Because, like, again, you know, what what, what are they doing? Is it their, their job? Is Cynthia, like, a academic professor? They seem to have uh, titles, like doctor, whatever. Yeah. So, but there's, like, there's nothing... Hap- there's nothing happening. <laughs> you know, there's, like, no real yeah, job or work or anything. Uh, it's just the butterflies. And that... that that's it's a strange it world. Works. Yeah, it's great. It's wonderful. Yeah. So then the carpenter's, like... Would a human toilet be a suitable compromise? <laughs> What's a human toilet? Does that not require a human? Well, yeah, I, I guess that it's just like a. Well, I don't know. I imagine. Um, I'm gonna Google that it. That it's uh, great. Thanks. Incognito. That it's just like a, human. like a form of a toilet that you just sit on and it just goes to the person who's lying under the toilet. <laughs> Oh, while you're looking for it, I'm going to say that during that um, uh, that conversation, uh, all the women are guilty of fat-shaming a lady called Ambrosia. Um, it's true, they do. <laughs> because they make fun of her not fitting into the bed. Uh, <laughs> they do. They're like, how did you make one big enough or something? Yeah, and, and the carpenter is like, oh, okay, we're talking about the same person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't think a human toilet is a thing. I can't. Oh. I mean, this is like, like all I'm finding is that's kind of surprising, isn't it? Is it only? But I don't even. That's the thing. But that's the reason I was so confused because I don't understand what that would entail. Like, what would that entail? <clears throat> is it? You're right. All you need for a human toilet is a human, surely. Well, maybe it's just easier if you have some sort of form that you don't have to like sit on their face and kind of splash everything around. I don't know. It's just e- maybe I don't know. Anyway, um, but yeah, so they decide to not go for the human toilet. Or no, as soon as that's sort of brought up, Cynthia's like, "I have to go yeah, now." Yeah. Um, and then Cynthia like watches the carpenter and Evelyn through the window, and she looks kind of sad. Like the, the carpenter's um, doing this with her, like does does waves. Yeah, she's her doing some. She's doing some great um, hand movements, which who knows what she's trying to say. That's great. Um, and then I nearly deleted all of my notes. Okay, great. Um, so that's fine. Um, and then, yeah, so then Cynthia is like getting, the, again, time just skips. Um, Cynthia is like getting into more lingerie and she like angrily rips her tights. Yes. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. She's just and annoyed then, with um, how uncomfortable, like she's trying to put everything on. And I think she's just annoyed with like how uncomfortable and kind of hard it all is. I, I don't know. It's just like a thing of, yeah, she's not into it. Um, yeah. So, and the one thing in this film is that Cynthia snores. Yes. Um, which I also snore. So I feel her pain. Hmm. And that's the oh, okay. Great. That was note. a good one. 
No, so she she snores. She like snores, and there's one scene earlier where Evelyn like clicks and she stops snoring. Mm. Um, so Cynthia's snoring, and Evelyn gets out of bed, and they're both like the pajamas that she's wearing. So Evelyn's or Cynthia's pajamas are like fairly comfortable looking. It's just like a shirt and trousers. Yeah. But Evelyn wears like some weird dress, and I can't imagine how uncomfortable that would be. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like why? There's no need. Um, well, but there's this kind but of yeah, discrepancy, so she... like there's this difference between Evelyn being very much into like, yeah, uh, sexy, fashionable stuff and, and Cynthia just wanting to be comfortable and it's kind of, you know, yeah. comes back for other. It's true. Um, but yeah, so she goes and she like finds, I guess, a box um, and then later they, her and Evelyn, frick, why do they, this is difficult. This is why like lesbians shouldn't exist because like then I can't tell the difference between who they are and I get confused with their names. Um, <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> um, That's staying in the podcast. I said it. I said it. It's on I record. It. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so they carry the box up and Cynthia like hurts her back. So then Evelyn rubs it. Um, and while Cynthia is then like in bed, kind of obviously in pain, Evelyn writes her a note for some kind of a role play, th- role play thing and Cynthia is like naturally quite annoyed um, there's also this whole thing of because... like Evelyn does the massage but like she does it a little bit and she's like ah that's fine now it's like yeah you just she's get like, some like at your grant uh, she's like do you want me to like already like call a doctor like what do you want to do I can't massage you all day I'm busy which is being uh, a uh, stupid bitch uh, I'm busy making up bits where I can massage you in an S&M play later on but right now no no, no yeah, massage. I don't want to massage you unless you're shouting at me and peeing in my mouth. Well, that's kind Just of girly thing. Which is funny, which is like, I think like, you know, you don't have to be in, you know, relationship that does stuff like that to kind of, I think, relate to this because mm. I think it's a very normal thing that we kind of, you know, make up things and scenarios. And sometimes we're like, oh, I don't want to do this. It's not fun. You know, I don't know. Like, I, I don't care right now, but it's all yeah. just based on the situation. You know, it's all the context um it's true so yeah i don't know it, it reminded me of of times where i used to be in a relationship uh many many moons ago so yeah so basically i'd like i mean if i was in agony and she describes herself as being in agony yeah. in agony and someone was like here just while you're lying there just mull over this um kinky thing i wanted to do i'd be like would you fuck off i'm in pain and i'm not putting on no lingerie no heels I'm not doing no peeing in your mouth. No, I'm, bu- I'm not, I'm busy. Um, so yeah. And Cynthia has like really, or Evelyn like gives Cynthia really specific requirements. So it's like, do this within 24 hours, but not in the first hour and not in the last. And then Evelyn or Cynthia's like, so do it within 22 hours. And Evelyn's like, yeah. And I'm just like, leave her be. She's heard her back. Yeah. Leave her be. Yeah, definitely. There's there. Evelyn does not really understand the situation. But there's another thing of this, like, Evelyn clearly being, like, the younger one in the relationship as well. And, um... Yeah, so Cynthia's, like, kind of, I guess, insecure. Because, like, it's one of those, it's one of those weird things that, like, hurting your back and, like, your back being sore is, like, a sign of aging somehow. At least, I feel like, psychologically for people, for some reason, it's like, I've hurt my back, I'm old. Yeah, even though Cynthia says it happens every few years, it's fine. Yeah, but I mean, that is also, like, I know people in my family like have that where like mm-hmm. they'll hurt their back every once in a while it's like your disc slips yeah yeah yeah. every few years or like depending you kind of move it wrong or whatever so like carrying a box up the stairs would do it definitely yeah um 
Yeah. So the kind of Seymour repeating of the same shots, which sort of just shows like the mundanity of their lives, mm-hmm. at least from Cynthia's perspective. Like it's super at this point, it's just super mundane. Um, and then at night, Cynthia locks Evelyn. She like ties Evelyn up and yeah. locks her in the box that they carried up. Yeah. So assumably that's what was written on the note. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Cynthia gets into her pajama pants and then she puts her heels on and she like walks back around the box again. Yeah. Which assumably, again, is like a part of it. Yeah, definitely. But then she can't take um, it anymore and she's like, checks in if Evelyn's okay. It's like, yeah. Are you okay? She's like, Are you sure you're going to be okay? Can you breathe in there? And Evelyn, like, really angrily is like, yes. <laughs> and listen, I've seen Gerald's game. I feel like this is a bad idea. Uh, yeah. Don't be, you can't be doing, I just don't do it. Throughout the night, what if you have to pee? What if you need to do a shake? What if you're thirsty? What if, what if you die? Well, if you die, well, there's not much you can do, I guess. But you can piss and shit yourself. What if Cynthia falls and hurts her back again? She's already delicate. She can't do anything for herself. Well, I'm very stressed about this. Well, yeah, then she would have to uh, call the neighbor, which we didn't mention yet, but we we should at some point. Um, yeah, they have a neighbor. Her name is Lorna. She's a bitch. Uh, it seems. Seems she doesn't say anything. Do you know who Lorna is? Since we brought Lorna up, which is a, a wonderful secondary Peter character. Strickland's mom. Uh, no, uh, Lorna no. is uh, played by Monica Swin, and uh, Monica Swin is used to be um, a very sexy lady. I've heard in the seventies, and she played in a lot of uh jess franco films which this film is kind of based mm-hmm. on so she's in uh, female vampire the demoniacs barbed wire dolls the perverse countess uh, exorcism <laughs> uh, the obscene mirror uh the oh. hot knights of linda uh linda the sadist of notre dame uh celestine love camp uh women without innocence the yeah i can go on uh, she's in loads of films <laughs> but uh Incredible. yeah she's here just like as a sort of a cameo thing and a throwback to those kinds of films that this film uh is born from she doesn't say anything but she does have a pretty cool little shot later on but uh, it's fine uh, anyways yeah so uh, evelyn gets locked up in the box in the night and uh, cynthia goes to sleep and then we learn that there is a safe word that they have and the safe word is pinastri. Pinastri. Pinastri is something that uh, Evelyn says in the night. And Cynthia wakes up and, and takes her out of the box. And it turns out that Evelyn was bitten by a mosquito. <laughs> so she needs to scratch her <laughs> so leg. She needs to scratch a little bit. Uh, yeah. And, and, and yeah, so she scratched a little bit. And Cynthia's like, oh, okay. Uh, and then Evelyn's like, maybe next time you just won't tie my hands or whatever. And she's like, okay, let's just go to bed. Yeah. And Evelyn's like, maybe you but could she's just like, put me back yeah, in. Yeah, maybe you could just put it's me fine. back in. <laughs> and Cynthia's like, fuck <laughs> and off. And Cynthia's like, no. <laughs> fuck you. Go to sleep. It's great. Um, um, yeah. The I so I googled because I was like, what are they saying? What is pinastri? It's um, I wrote it at the bottom. Pinastri is a type of moth. Yeah, it's another. It's the yeah. Sphinx pinastri, which is like a pine hawk moth. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, it's another. Yeah, so like very on brand. Thing. Yeah. At, the, I, at this point, I wrote, um, "This is one of those films that I want to end so that I can read more about it online," mm. which is the quality of a good film. And I'm like, I want to read more about this and what other people thought about it. Um, cool. It's a wild. Um, yes. Then we have another piece scene. Um. But this time, Cynthia can't <laughs> so pee. She... 
Yeah, so she's like, lie down, open your mouth. So this is the pee scene again that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a long silence. And then Evelyn's like, try turning the tap on. <laughs> and then Cynthia's like, shh. That's quite funny. I'm just looking at the poster of the Hot Nights of Linda. Holy shit. Uh, Linda. Is it raunchy? Yes, Linda is, um, I think, wearing no pants, although it's hard to say. She's got just a red jumper on. And some boots, and she's laying on a bed. I guess it's, I guess it's, it's purple, and she's uh, got a banana, uh, which is opened. And I bet she does. She's kind of putting it in her her mouth, but she's just like kind of licking the top of it. Oh. Would you like to know what the hot well, nights just... of Linda is about? Um. Yes. Uh, bananas. Okay. Uh, a young woman is hired to care for an elderly man who lives on an island of the Greek coast. When she arrives there, the man warns her that his daughters are evil and dangerous. The woman discovers that one of the daughters is a crazed nymphomaniac who pursues and seduces everyone in the house, including her crippled sister. Well, that, that's going on the watch list. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing is, I wanted to prepare for this episode and watch some uh, Jess Franco films, uh, Jesus Franco films, and they're mm-hmm. really hard to get a hold of. It's really hard to find them. Oh, really? Uh, because they're forbidden. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's it's weird because, you know, all those Jalo films and all those horror films, like, however sleazy they got, they, they got, like, a new life now with a lot of companies re-releasing them, often on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're very easily accessible. You can watch a lot of Jalo legally, paying money for it, you know, in great quality. But this kind of stuff, it's still kind of underground. It's hard to find it. Even, I, I you know, I try to buy everything. But I tried to, because I couldn't find anything anywhere to buy it, I tried to download it. And it's even hard to download it. Um, it's really upsetting. I, I want to see I'm that. Sorry. I want to see those 70s erotic European trash stuff. I want to see it. <laughs> Give me the trash. This is my right as a man to watch that. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> men's rights. Uh, men's rights, right. Um. Yeah. Yeah, so then Cynthia hurts her back again yeah. and they have, um, they just have like an argument of some sort because Cynthia's like it'd be nice to be offered a back rub and Evelyn's like, well, it's not inspiring to see you like that because Cynthia's like wearing pajamas which is freaking rude. This is why we need men in the world so that women can be like, that's how men behave and we are not going to behave like that because we are nice. We need men in the world to set bad examples so we can improve on their behaviour. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> So basically, um, she's like annoyed because Cynthia, she's bought Cynthia loads of clothes and she's not wearing them. And Cynthia's like, I want to be comfy, bitch. Um, and then there's like a sound, a bug sound that's assumably like playing over an intercom, I think. Um, and everyone's like, this is giving me a headache. Uh, and then there's like silence. And then she's like, you're not going to turn it off. And Cynthia's like, did you ask me to? Yeah. Ha. Another thing that's kind of, I think, a relationship thing of like, Oh, do I need to ask you for everything? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's she's kind of just throwing back the same argument yeah. that she gave, where it's like it'd be nice to get a back rope without having to ask. But so but Evelyn like, is also very much like, like it would be nice if you locked me up without having to ask. You know, it kind of works both ways. Yeah. I, I think they both exactly. have an argument for it. You know, it's like yeah, it's, it's a it's a ping pong kind of yeah. thing. Um. Um. Yeah. And, I, and then, it's a big so thing, yeah, the... I think, in terms of just, like, asking, you know, for something. I think it's a very normal, like, human thing to be like, oh, I just want the other person to read my mind and do it because that's so much better. But... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not really how it's it works. Like, but, yeah, it is. It's a relationshipy thing where it's like, 
these are nice things and I would like you to just do them sometimes. Yeah. It would be nice. Um, but you also have to communicate what you want. Or otherwise, exactly. how can you expect it? Mm-hmm. Especially something so severe as like being locked in a box. I feel like yeah. if I was in a relationship of that nature, I would like want to be told, hey, tonight I want to be locked in the box. Because otherwise, it's like, I'm going to lock you in the box. And they're like, I don't want to. And it's like, haha, too bad, because this is part of the whole thing. You know? Yes, it's like a, I don't know. It'd be a weird thing to be the one to prompt it. Yeah. When it's like when you're the one who has the kind of power... It, it, the power in this is kind of like the the power is like questionable but yeah. you know like kind of the element of being like well I have the power to put you in the box yeah so I don't want to be the one to like enforce it definitely because that feels wrong mm-hmm. um but yes then Cynthia is snoring they're, they're in bed again Evelyn's in the box and Cynthia is snoring and Evelyn's like clicking from the box <laughs> So, um, so it's again showing that kind of imperfect solution of like, yeah, just lock me in a box. But wait, you snore and it's annoying. So yeah. I need to shut you up. Definitely. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, yeah. And then we uh, have a scene in the garden. Um, Cynthia is going to the library, asks Evelyn if she wants to go. It's like a date thing. She's like, hey, you want to go with me to the library? We can get an ice cream afterwards. And Evelyn's Tasty. like, yeah, it's nice. It sounds nice. It's the end of the summer. They're going to be closing soon for winter. Uh, which is another thing about this film, uh, which is like, it's the summer, and it's like a cyclical thing, uh, but soon the mm-hmm. university is closing anyway, so like this kind of part of time <laughs> that we're watching is going to be over. Um, but yeah, but Evelyn says she can't go because she has to, if, if she's going to get put in the trunk, she has to sleep <laughs> before <laughs> the night. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah, it's yeah, like which kind of makes it And it's again, stupid. it's sort of, it's like a weird thing of, she's kind of saying it, I, to me, at least, it kind of came across with being like, well, you're going to snore, so I like can't sleep when you snore. Yeah. Especially when I'm in the box. So it's kind of like, it's like a, it's like a, it's a sort of conniving comment in a way. Conniving is not the word I'm looking for, but I can't think of the word. Um, Like a cutting, I guess. It's like a cutting comment, but it's also just like, okay, but you're like, you're the one who wants to go into the box. Just if yeah. you want to have a good night's sleep, just don't go into the box. She's definitely like a little bit spoiled, I think. Like, you know, she just kind of sure. has that thing of like she wants to receive the thing. And I think Strickland talks a little bit about it in the commentary. And he's like, yeah, I kind of wanted her to be like the younger one, the more like spoiled one, like kind of that kind of a character. But he also wanted to be he was clear about it, like, I don't think that she's spoiled because she's got, you know, this sexual desire or whatever. It's just like it's it's not mm. really connected. That's just how she is. And she wouldn't. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's not kink shaming. It's not like, oh, it's inherent that like if you're like a submissive, then you're just like so greedy and you're just selfish and yeah. you just want you're spoiled and whatever. It's it's not about that. It's like this particular person is just in nature quite spoiled. And we see that like dripping into the real world where yeah. she's like trying to show off and trying to like put other people down. It's like she's kind of just a bit of a spoiled person overall. Yeah, definitely. And there's, a, I mean, no, I don't know. I was going to say there's also maybe like she's buying all the clothes. So maybe she has like a rich family and that's how she buys the clothes. I'm like, there's nothing to prove that there's families in this world. Or money. So <laughs> like these people may just like come out of chrysalises. Like who knows? Well, to be there's no men. So there's, yeah. How are they? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Um, But yeah. So yeah. Then. The car- I think, is it the Carpenter Cycles by, or is it... Yes, the Carpenter else? Cycles okay, by. So it's just a one shot. Um, just a shot. Yeah, Carpenter Cycles by. Yeah. Um, and then Cynthia just, like, keeps hurting her back. And then um, Evelyn's, like, rubbing her back. 
and she like says something I don't remember what the first thing she says is, but the second thing, she's like, Lorna spotted you polishing someone else's boots. It's She says, it's like, the professor or something. Mm-hmm. It's assumably the professor's yeah, boots. Yeah, that, that was that Professor uh, Schaller, I think. Schaller, Schaller, okay. something like that, yeah. So she's like, I, I saw, she saw you, um, and uh, Lorna is their neighbor. Yes. Um, spotted her polishing the professor's boots, and then she's like, did she punish you? And then Evelyn's like, well, she told me off a bit. <laughs> Um, and then Cynthia leaves and it's again it's that thing of like just because she isn't necessarily like as interested in doing like the dominance thing like the you know kind of the whole role play Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that she's not still like invested in the relationship and it's like I still want to like that's something intimate that we do yeah definitely you can't just like go somewhere else and get it somewhere else because that's especially given like the nature of what it's a whole it's kind of it sort of aligns with that like sort of argument people have of being like is flirting cheating and it's that thing of like you know the connotations of like she this is a sex thing for her yeah you know it's a kink for her and her going off and kind of fulfilling that somewhere else and knowing that like she's polished her shoes before as part of the whole role play it's like this is very much like being unfaithful to a degree just yeah. because you didn't kiss her or didn't have sex with her it's still like unfaithful yeah. and not nice and that's definitely like the dynamic of it and yeah for sure yeah so Cynthia is just very upset about it and like you know obviously I think that's a normal reaction to you know knowing that your partner did something intimate that you guys do with somebody else you know uh, yeah, exactly. and Evelyn does kind of nudge towards like being like I, I wasn't you know I wasn't getting it here uh, which is mm-hmm. a very normal thing I guess you, you say uh, in situations like this, so, but yeah, but Evelyn is also very apologetic about it, and she she tries to be like, I'm sorry, I love you. It's like you know, she it's it's, I don't know, it breaks my little heart. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> ah. um, it it is it is that kind of thing of like, it's the normal, it's a normal relationship talk. It's just that it's in reference to something yeah. that is more outlandish. Yeah, but it's like the concerns, the way they approach the the argument, and everything is the same. Well, it's also so well um, made. It's so good. Like, I don't know. Like, even for, I don't know, even with, if you take out all the S&M stuff, which I guess, you know, changes the film, but like, whatever, in theory, if, if you take it out and like still, like, those scenes are still so well written and like, I don't know, they seem to get at stuff that I feel like often is missed. Well, maybe also because we don't really get a film, like a lot of films about relationships that are ongoing instead of just starting mm-hmm. or, you know, or relationships that are ending or that are toxic or whatever. We don't really get a lot of films about relationships like this, which are, I guess, the most common ones where people are together and they love each other, and but there's problems and stuff. Because... Yeah, a normal relationship. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the, the film really captures that, which is weird because, yeah, <laughs> it's this weird, like, uh, 70s, 60s expired Euro horror trashy sex thing, but... I don't know. Yeah. It makes so much more of an effort to actually display that part of a relationship that even like a mm. drama would, you know, I think. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, is that like ultimately you can have a normal relationship and also have that SM aspect, you know, like normal people around the world do that every day. Sure. Um, so it's, you know, it's still, I guess, a normal relationship. It's more so that we're seeing the we're seeing the more kind of out there aspect of their relationship and how that's actually causing them problems. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so it's just a very heartfelt scene. I really that's when the the film starts to 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 get me feeling feeling a lot. Feeling. Got, got some feeling. feelings when I watch the film. <laughs> Um, I'm sure. So yeah, then, I'm sure the hot summers of Linda or whatever is gonna give me a lot of feelings too. Yeah, I'm sure. So next we're in a class again, and um, thingy Cynthia is like looking at the professor's boots because they're the ones that Evelyn, you know, shined. Um, and then there's the horrible mannequins again, and then we go back, um, and it's Evelyn's birthday. Yeah, the birthday scene. And it looks like she's like wrapped her a present. Uh. But then yes. So she wraps something, and it that, that seems like it's the present. Um, but then she like brings Evelyn into the room, and she's like, "You have to make your own birthday cake," which honestly serves her right. She's yeah. a bitch. Um, and then she's like, "I'm going to get into something more comfortable," which is like that thing you usually say, but when you're being sexy and you're like, "I'm gonna go put on my sexy negligee." Mm-hmm. Um, and then she comes back, and she's just like in her pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> she comes back for the cake at like nine yeah, or whatever for in her pajamas, <laughs> and Evelyn's just kind of like, uh, like looks at her like, "What the fuck? Why is she in her pajamas?" Yeah, Evelyn is not really um, into it. Yeah, she's like looking at all the ingredients for the cake. She's like, "Oh my god!" And um, to be fair to her, Evelyn makes a fucking banging cake. It looks great. <laughs> it looks tasty. Uh, Strickland. It feels. I feel like it's. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Strickland said on the commentary that he kind of wishes that they made the cake more scrappy because it does look pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so she makes the cake, and then Cynthia, uh, Evelyn brings over the cake, hands it to Cynthia, and then like Evelyn leaves, and Cynthia blows out the candle, <laughs> and Evelyn comes back, and she's like. Uh... And then she like goes close. I guess she's trying to like give Cynthia a kiss. I think. She, yeah. I don't know. She goes close to Cynthia, and then uh, Cynthia's like, "Don't come so close. Your breath is like a hyena." Yeah, it, it gets really mean. Yeah, that's. Yeah, they're just she's just being mean. Just um, being mean. and then it's very not nice. So she like makes Evelyn lie down and like uses her as a footstool, basically. Yeah. And Evelyn um like says pinastri, yeah. and Cynthia just like puts her foot on her mouth, and Evelyn cries. It's not nice, yeah, no matter how much. Yeah. How, no matter how mean your partner is being, you have to respect the safe words. It's very important. Yeah, that's true. But this is a different kind of thing, I guess. You know, this is more of a punishment. It's not a game. Um, yeah, exactly. Which I don't not saying that makes it cool or anything like that. It's, a, it's yeah. a pretty cruel scene. I think it's, yeah, it's sort of, she's like letting, it's sort of a normal relationship scene in the sense of like, it's like, oh, it's your birthday, it's your birthday cake. It's sort of um, Cynthia like taking the element of the relation, the like S&M aspect of the relationship that she has like found beneficial, yeah. <laughs> which is shutting Evelyn up, but it's still like it's not well. It's yeah. not nice. It is not nice. Um, and she says a thing no. that's very I don't know, like a, a line of dialogue that is very important for the film, I think, which is what she says like after Evelyn says Pinastri, since it's just like like looking into this is like eating her cake. It's just like yeah, if we could all just say Pinastri to end all our torments, and keep eating yeah. the cake. Yeah, it's kind of evil. Yeah. Makes you, um, makes you think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so then Evelyn is like, Evelyn's in a field of like barley just singing. Singing a song about the film. Uh, it's great. I love it. Um, <laughs> Strickland was talking about that as well. And he said that The Wicker Man was a, was an inspiration for that. And honestly, that's the only other f- horror film where I can think where there's a musical number in the middle. That's true. Um, I mean, musical number is quite a grand way to refer to yeah. a, a woman sitting in a field singing a song. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. But 
like I, I guess in a way she is singing it for it's not like she's just singing it to herself and that's it it's like the full song and you hear it in full like with instruments and like the whole thing and it's just her singing it it's like i don't know it's not also like she's just sitting in the field and singing to herself and it's all like diegetic it's like a lot more uh lavish than that it's not like a musical show yeah. it's not a musical number maybe but it's like it's it's kind of in between there somewhere yeah it still has a it's still kind of funnily placed uh, I love it. But, I love but, it. But I think I'm like I don't know. It's like I didn't even think much about that song the first time I watched it. I think you kind of start because there's a lot going on in this film. Honestly, even with not a lot of plot, there's a lot of things you see uh, in terms of just the technical aspect and stuff. A lot of things to focus on. So I, I don't think I focused a lot on that song the first time, but I really appreciated it yesterday. I thought it was very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. I like having a song um, that explains the film to you in the film. It's, I, I like it. I like music and film. It general. makes things easier. Yeah, because I'm a stupid boy. I need something, you know. Yeah. Idiot boy. Idiot stinky boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then... So then Evan's singing, and then she, like, comes into, I guess, their bedroom or something. Yeah. With her, her eye makeup is, like, all over the place, and her hair's a mess, and it's really spooky. Mm-hmm. And then Cynthia just opens her legs and then we zoom into her cr- crotch and it's quite stressful. So basically long... vaginas are the yeah. are the abyss. It's the vaginal abyss. Well, I think that's a very, you know, it's a simple metaphor, but it's like, I don't know. I, I think it works. She's lost in her, she's lost in her vagina. Well, is she lost in her vagina? Whose dream is it? It doesn't really matter, right? It's a dream sequence at this point anyway, because you see that Evelyn is coming out like in full makeup. And they're all like wearing, you know, I think Cynthia's in her like S&M stuff, also wearing makeup. And it's like the middle of the night. It's like, okay, it's like a dream sequence thing, I guess. And then you go into the yeah. crotch, which I think is like just an intimacy thing. Like, I think that's the easiest way to kind of, you always like, you know, it's like a razor head, you know, it's always like that camera going into things, you know, deeper, 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 right? That's how a razor head starts. We talked about that. So when you're going deeper into something like, you know, when you have a film about S&M and stuff, I don't know, I guess the easiest thing is just to zoom in on a crotch and just being like, we're going in to that intimacy. <laughs> you know, it's simple. Yeah. It's like, it kind of sounds like, you know, I'm making it like, you know, vulgar again, but it's not really. No, yeah, it's not. It's not really. I mean, it's um, kind of weird to watch that when I'm, you know, living on the ground floor and I'm watching a film on my TV and there's a really long shot that's zooming in on somebody's crotch that I'm watching. But, you know. My, I don't know if it was in my screen, but it was just really dark, so it really did just look like an abyss. Did it look like an abyss to you? Yeah, but like you can still see the the, the knees, like you know, uh, until you kind of get see past knees. the knees, then it's like yeah, that then yeah. that's when it's just like you you okay, do see yeah. her panties kind of. It's not she's not okay. naked, like she does have underpants on. Okay, um, yeah. So basically, then it's like it's sort of a dream sequence. So like pinastri is being repeated. Um, there's a um, uh, Cynthia like opens the box and there's a skeleton in it instead of Evelyn. Yeah, that's uh, from um, that's a reference to a film called uh, The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave. Uh, oh, if well. you want to look up the, On the, nose. the the poster for that film, it's it's a very similar kind of skull thing, uh, which is interesting. Okay. It's a Jallo film. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Um, and yes, yeah, so Cynthia like hears a scream outside and Evelyn's down there and then Cynthia goes into the woods and Evelyn is like in a box in the woods and then Cynthia gets into the box as well. Um, and then we like zoom out of the vagina. We, we, we yeah, leave the so vag- that's like the abyss. most like horror-y, I guess, sequence of this where it's like, yeah, we see kind of Cynthia walking around and the skeleton is there and then the trunk in the forest and they kind of go into it and everything's a lot darker 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it does have that maybe little vibe of, you know, something more horror. It looks kind of like a Lynch sequence. I think David Lynch is, you know, I'd say kind of can come up in conversation. Uh, I feel like the next the next bit was honestly like more um, more nightmarey for me. Oh, really? That's really interesting. Okay. Be- because the next bit is, um, I think the next bit is also a dream sequence, well, maybe. Yeah, um, but it's Evelyn is like walking blindfolded through the hall, surrounded by moths and butterflies, and there's like really, really intense like sound of their wings flapping around. Yeah, and there's so many. It just like fills the whole scene or the whole screen eventually with just moths. And you see, I'm afraid of moths. Oh, okay. And insects that fly. So, <laughs> okay. It was quite distressing. Mm. Um, it's just the sound it's really intense which is like really disconcerting like visuals and sounds and it's like the next bit is sort of like a cut it's like really quick shots of like close-ups of moths or butterflies with i think the sound still playing yeah so yeah uh i thought this the sequence is beautiful i don't find it disconcerting at all i think it's just wonderful um there's literally like no horror in it for me it's just very it's nearly soothing how it happens because the moths start filling up the the screen, kind of taking over the the film, and they're like mm-hmm. the they're like static, they're like TV static because there's so there's so many of them you don't really see them. It's just like this white noise of a thing happening, and like the what you hear is also very much like white noise, just a lot of the the insect sounding. So it's just this cacophony of of sound and 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 picture. But for me, it's not really distressing. It's just like a differing feeling i really like it i think it looks wonderful yeah and then once you start getting into the close-ups um yeah it's like i don't know it's just wonderfully put together and that's actually that whole sequence is a uh, is kind of a redoing of a film of a short film i watched this morning um it's uh by a guy called stan uh, brackage and uh okay. he's a, he was a guy who made experimental films in the 60s and he made a film called uh, Mothlight. Um, and, and Peter Strickland mm. directly says that this, this sequence is Mothlight, just redone for the purpose of this film. And Mothlight is just a four-minute quick thing. You can find it on YouTube, very easy to find. Just type in Mothlight into YouTube if you're interested. Um, and it's just basically what Stan did with this. It's completely manual. It's just he put, like, um, he painted or I think put the pictures of moths or insects on the film roll and then just edited really quickly. So you kind of get a similar effect of like, yeah, this kind of um, yeah cacophony of different uh, insects and parts of insects and extreme close-ups and stuff in a similar just kind of experimental fashion. It goes on for like four minutes or something like that. And there's no plot, there's no sound, nothing like that. Uh, that's all it is. Um, yeah, so this is kind of a redoing of this, but in digital form because everything here is, is digital. Mm. Yeah. See, moths just stress me out too much. Yeah. Uh, if you don't like moths... Especially big don't. ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. There you go. So next, um, Cynthia is in bed and Evelyn comes in and she's like, Cynthia, can you sit on me, please? Yeah, but she says, and please, Cynthia sits on. Yeah. yeah, but please is good. And then Cynthia sits on her and she's just kind of changed, her, like turning the pages of her book, but not looking at them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Also sort of something interesting, Cynthia, I can't remember if it's this point because I kind of didn't, I don't think I joined the notes very well. Mm-hmm. Um, Cynthia, it does like a talk and she's talking about how um, these, um, this type of butterfly or moth 
um, like hibernates in the winter. Um, and it's interesting because the library also closes in the winter. So it's sort of like this whole place just follows the same, like you were saying, it's like cyclical. They follow the same cycle as like the butterflies and the moths do. Yeah. It's like the butterflies are stopping for winter. So are we. Yeah. Um, and it feels like the whole world might be stopping honestly it's kind of hard to predict what's going to happen but it feels like everything is just kind of coming to a a halt yeah um and then so next cynthia is like doing the laundry keyhole scene there's like tape on the ground that indicates where she walks um and then she goes through then next we see her like going through the underwear cleaning scene and you can like see she's clearly becoming like really upset and the pair is like really shifting here because like Evelyn like responds quite smugly. Um, like she's like, it's not a problem. I can do it now or whatever. And like just like kind of watching Cynthia suffer. Um, and then Cynthia just sort of breaks down and she's like, sorry, please don't be mad at me. And then Evelyn like reassures her and like reassures that she loves her. And she's like, if this isn't like if this, I don't remember exactly what she says, but she says something along the lines of like, if this doesn't work for you, if you can't do this, like I can change I love you, blah, blah, blah. She says, all this is just um, a luxury, which is kind of what, what gets me. Yeah. Um, um, I know, I always cry on the scene. I can't, I can't take it. I cry, I, I cried on the oh. scene when the commentary was happening, when you don't even hear what's going on. But I knew what was going on, what? and I cried. What and, did Peter say? Um, well, he was talking about... say cry, Mache? Yes. Um, well, he says <laughs> that to me every night before I go to sleep. No, it's like... Um, <laughs> I uh, he was talking. I think at this point he talks about how you know how he wanted to not be afraid of kind of the melodramatic aspect of it, where mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, he didn't want it to come off as smug or you know as not interested in the characters. And I think there's a lot of heart, especially in that scene, like the whole film. But you know, this this is the scene where it really kind of all breaks down and all the all the game and all the stuff that they're saying is just like kind of stripped down to like the basics of it. Um, yeah. so the, the characters are really just really saying what they mean and what they're afraid of and, and being really honest with each other and I think it's, I don't know, it's just, it's gets, gets me <laughs> it's very very <laughs> emotional to me to, to, to hear Cynthia saying, please don't be mad at me you know, because she's trying so hard to yeah. do it, but she can't do it and you kind of really see how hard it is for her and you've been mm-hmm. watching this whole film being like, oh my god, she's having a hard time with this, but I don't know, like at this time I really start feeling that you know, it's also might be hard for her because, you know, she's somebody she loves and she has to be really mean to her all the time. And I think it can be kind of, you know, when you're doing it a lot, you know, you know, you know, she knows that Evelyn wants it. But I, I think it's still hard, you know, to just be mean all the time to the person you love. And you're just like, so you're kind of in this weird position in between where you're like, you, I, you if you don't do it, then you're kind of disappointing them. If you're doing it, you're feeling bad, you know, and like. When she just says, please don't be mad yeah. at me, kind of jumps out to me really, you know, a lot. Yeah, it is a it is a nice scene. I think it's like you're right that it's sort of she's having to constantly be mean to the person she loves. And it's like you can kind of tell that it's just becoming more and more too much for her. Yeah. And I think as well, it's sort of. Yeah, but no, we've seen like Cynthia. I remember Cynthia like keeps it together for most of the film. Like you kind of see her getting more annoyed than like upset. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of the first thing where we're like, OK, but she's actually also like this upsets her like doing this also upsets her it's not all about her just kind of being bored or not wanting to do it anymore um which is good and then so next the kind of we get the next scene and evelyn is sleeping out of the box which is nice and sort of cynthia like cuddles up to her they bring the box back downstairs um and we get to read the note that evelyn wrote about the box and it gets burned yes um and that we just see them like acting like a normal couple 
Um, but then they have it like sort a nice picnic. Like they, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very nice. Yeah, they go back to their normal routine. It's very nice, and then it seems um, that they then just go back to doing the thing again. But it sort of left the imagination. It's like, are they just starting it all over again and it's going to be terrible? Have they decided that they do it once every now and then or like what's happening? But then it just ends. Yeah, it's like uh, you kind of start seeing the same thing again of Evelyn on the bike coming to the place, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, we're doing this again. And she rings the doorbell and we see Cynthia in the wig kind of looking at herself in the mirror. She hears the doorbell and like there's this moment of, yeah, is she going to open the door? Is this thing continuing? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and then the film ends because it made its point. Yeah, that's uh, right. and that's it. That's great. And then you see the wonderful uh, closing credits. And uh, did you watch the credits? Do you know that all the butterflies are listed? Oh, In really? The credits? Yeah, it's kind of sweet. I didn't watch the whole. It was quite late when I finished it. Yeah. So. Uh, that's fine. I, I didn't watch it the first time either. But yeah, the, the, all the butterflies and moths are, are listed in the credits, which is a very nice touch. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's a wonderful ending. You know, I don't know. It just makes me feel very full. Even though sometimes, you know, you see a film like that with a more like maybe open ending and it's kind of, it's not very satisfactory. But in this case, I think it's got an ending and then just like a extra bit where it makes you kind of think about what's going to happen next uh, more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I think like, you know, that's where I kind of get, like when I get to the end of this film, I think, you know, coming back to my mom saying it's a film about loneliness, I, I think it's to me it's more a film about communication. You know, it's a film about two people trying to work it out who are clearly in love with each other and they're having a hard time because they're, you know, different and they're in a relationship and, you know, it's not easy. And I think the mm-hmm. film is more hopeful than anything else about them being able to make something out of it. That's kind of the feeling I have. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Good film. It's Excellent film. probably my favorite film of the uh, 2010s. There was a lot of lists going around, you know, like when we ended the decade of like best films of the decade. And um, yeah, I think that would probably top mine. I think that's probably my favorite. Um, there's just no other film like this. There's no other film like that for me where I feel like they took something that I love, which is, yeah, those trashy films <laughs> that... Are, are shot in that way and then they made something something so different out of it but still not against those films not making fun of those films not using them or criticizing them they just took them and 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 made this somehow i don't know they dug so deep that they kind of came out on the other end it's uh it's amazing to me how they could make this i'm not 100 percent sure how they made it work so well but they did you know so thanks <laughs> peter for making me cry thank you peter Fucking asshole I didn't cry. Well, I did a lot every time I watched it. So there you go. <laughs> um, I cry a lot on films, although I did not cry on a film on this podcast before. Yeah, except for now. Except for now. So there you go. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, matcha. Yeah, that's me. I have a question. Okay. The film with with just so many characters to choose from, mm-hmm. um, the Duke of Burgundy. Yes. Fuck can't kill. Fuck can't kill. All right, cool. So, um, as we established, there's no there's no man in this film. There's no man in this film, and uh, all the women seem to be lesbians. I I guess because of that, maybe just I don't know. Everybody's gay in this. Maybe film. lesbians don't even exist. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's not such a thing as a lesbian. 
so yeah, so I think of myself in this world and I'm like, I don't know, you know, there's not a lot I can do here. So um, I'm going to fuck the mannequin. Um, I'm going to rehash the scene from In Fabric and I'm going to fuck one of the mannequins. Um, wow. So there, there you go. I'm on record saying that. I see. Uh, Peter, if you're making another film and you've got a mannequin there and need somebody to fuck it, give me a call. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, haunt. Um I'm gonna haunt uh, Lorna. <laughs> Just to see what's happening. We didn't mention that one shot of Lorna breaking a branch on her knee, which is oh, hilarious. Oh, so good. <laughs> what's she, happening? Her face is just full. She's so she angry. She looks like a child who's like didn't get a cookie or something. <laughs> you know, it's just like <laughs> she breaks the branch. <laughs> It is so hilarious. Strange. I want to haunt her just to see what she's up to. I don't know. What's going on in that house? Who's Lorna? It's great. What is that? Um, and for the kill, um, I'm not going to kill anybody. Kill yourself. Gonna, what are you doing in that world? I'm killing myself because I shouldn't be there. You're right. You know what? I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> uh, there's. I, I don't know. Who would you kill in a film like this? There's nobody to kill. There's no, there's no place in violence in this film. Even though it's a, a film about S&M, it's not violent. There's no violence in this film. It's all consensual and nice. Um, I'm not killing anybody. I'm not bringing violence into this world. Uh, so, therefore, <laughs> because I have to kill, I'm killing myself. Goodbye, everybody. It was great being here on the podcast. Uh, life was... Uh, oh, I would like to say life was great, but that's not true. <laughs> but I, Thank I, you, Jono. I was here. <laughs> I did it. I participated. I did it. Thank yeah. you. Uh, Abby, um, yes, in, in the film, Jay, in the film, Dick of Burgundy. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, which, which you enjoyed, which I'm very happy. But um, who would you like to fuck, hunt, and kill? So, um, this is there really are like there's like three characters. No, there's like five characters. Yeah, there's I don't not know. There's not very yeah, many characters. There's not lots to choose from. Yeah, to choose from. Um, but I am going to fuck the carpenter. She's gorgeous. Um, yeah, that's a good choice. I, She's very beautiful. I would go for that too. Yeah. If I was I'm going to haunt Evelyn. Why? Um I'm haunting Evelyn cuz I just don't think she's nice. Um Okay. Not just cuz she's like not just because it Cynthia's not having a great time, but because, you know, she's mean to like the people in the class or whatever. Um and I just think I don't I don't think she deserves to be killed, but I'm just going to haunt her and like make her think about what she's done. So every time she's every time she's like mean or whatever i'm gonna be like hey stop that okay all right that's fair um, enough yeah i'm gonna teach her a lesson i think you. she'd like that yeah oh no you're right <laughs> sexy sexy ghost um i'd be the sexy ghost i think a ghost um, in that film then... is I, if there if at some point in this film they were like oh this is a ghost of somebody i'd be like yeah that makes sense i think there's a place yeah, for ghosts here it would add up yeah the car i'm not convinced the carpenter isn't a ghost to be honest possibly yeah um and then i'm going to kill um, all of the mannequins. Oh, that's fair enough. You know, but you you could you? say that they're all already dead, or just not. Well, not, I'm gonna kill them again. Not alive. Okay. <laughs> well, that's too bad. Poor poor mannequins. You know, that's that's yeah. um, that's a pity. Well, okay. Oh well. The, they should have thought about it before they became mannequins. Sure, I'm sure that's a that's a life choice on on their part. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Well, that was that was the podcast that you just listened to. Well, it's yes, a bit of a different one. Uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. I think that was a bit of a different episode, probably. Probably, hmm. maybe, I don't know, a bit more serious. It was our s- I cried. It was our second... 
<laughs> Mate cried. I cried. Um, it was a, our second sexy episode. Well, third if you count Twilight. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I guess this was a sexy episode, and yeah, I don't know. I, I wanted to do I want to do a little bit more artsy stuff, you know. At, at some point, I think this is gonna be our artsy film for the season, but. Um, yeah. I'd like to come back and do some other stuff, uh, you know, later in time because I think it's interesting, you know. And hope one thing I really, yeah, one thing I really appreciated about this film is that, like, I like arts films, but they are often so long, and I'm like, ugh, who has the time? Yeah. Especially when you're like working, you just like, who has the time? Um, who has the time and like energy to spend watching an arts film that isn't necessarily going to be like enjoyable in the same way like School of Rock is, for example. <laughs> great, great, <laughs> great comparison. <laughs> um. But this one wasn't too long, which I really appreciated. It's like, listen, you don't need to be too long to be like, be a good arts film. 100%. No. You know, it was like, it was an hour and 40 minutes or something, which is like a pretty reasonable amount of time. I 100% agree. Hour and a half is what you need. And it's a pretty mm-hmm. new thing that the art films are just going into fucking hours and hours. You know, Lab Diaz well, yeah. making seven hour films. You know, back in the day, if you look at the Bergman, I don't know, if you look at Antonioni, if you look at the big guys, they all made films which are like an hour and a half long. Every Berkman film is an hour and a half long. Yeah, It's fine. You can make an art film that long. It's great. And The Duke of Burgundy is, I think it's, it's a perfect, you know, perfect runtime. Um, mm-hmm. That's good. Gets you through it. It's a good time. If you haven't seen it, hopefully maybe this uh, made you excited. I don't know, maybe maybe you go out and see it. Pay, pay some money, yeah. pay free bucks, see this film. It's nice. You can watch it with your significant daughter. Um, get in the mood. Get in the mood. It is pretty sexy for fighting. It is quite sexy. Um, you can have like a you can have a sex after it, and then a talk af- about your relationship. <laughs> you can do both, maybe at the same time. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's a it's a free world. We've got nothing else to do. Exactly. Just do it. Um, yeah, and that was it. What are we doing next time? I don't remember. Oh, I next do. week we're watching us. Yeah, and we're gonna have Megan. Hey, that's gonna be great. Gonna... She doesn't know that yet, but who doesn't know that yet? Megan. Oh well, but she... she's gonna be there. Well, she should because I told her. Oh, true. I forgot that part. Yeah, so we're gonna do us. Us. Is... I'll remind her. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, we'll remind her. She's gonna beat her. Don't worry, listeners. You're gonna you're gonna meet Megan. <gasps> it's gonna be fine. Stop panicking, everyone. Yeah, exactly. Take it easy. This was a nice chilled out episode. <laughs> Hope you had a nice glass of wine. And we'll see you next week for some more uh, more horror bits. We're going to talk about Us. I'm excited, actually, about Us. This is great. I really like it. Yeah, I haven't seen it, so I'm super yeah, excited. Abby's going to be new, so. Uh, yeah. Cool. Thanks for joining us, bitches. Thank you. Stay safe out there. Uh, yes, wash your hands. And um, I don't know. I don't know where you are and what the lockdown restrictions are. You know, they're going to be different when this is released from where we are. <laughs> anyway, so mm-hmm. stuff is changing. Just, you know, make sure to be cautious and follow the regulations and be nice to each other and um yeah talk to your loved ones uh if you're living alone uh then masturbate frequently <laughs> just jack it just make sure that you're not building all this up because you don't want to go out into the world full of cum um <laughs> it was such a classy episode until we have to finish yeah you fucking ruined it. I fucking ruined it. Bye, everybody. Yeah, check out our site and our Instagram, FHK Podcast. Subscribe to the thing. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>